Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Day two at Streamsong Resort in Central Florida, and what a beautiful day we had once again. And Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack studios. Number one, my friend, you should come out here and check it out. Number two, I'm never coming home because the people <laughs> out here are outstanding. They're really good to us. Uh, the golf courses are so good, and, you know, I love to play golf, so yeah. that's, a, that's a different level kind of thing. Yesterday we talked about all the different things they have here, but they have coffee like, right behind me in the show. And so I can just drink coffee all the time. I mean, that's the key to my heart right there, Austin. Coffee you haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, just just bring a cart of coffee into the studio every day. <laughs> that's it. Noted. So when I make a mistake or I offend somebody, I'll be sure to bring some coffee in for you <laughs> to get back on your good side. Yeah, have you offended anybody ever? Ever? Uh, off the top of my head, you know, probably. I just can't really remember um a certain thing. I I may have had a couple tweets that my PR person told me to delete right away. Oh. We don't have to get into those, but yeah, there's been a few times where I'm sure I've offended somebody. Can we get your PR person on the line so we can talk a little bit about Jalen Ramsey? Maybe some stories about you too, but really about yeah. Jalen Ramsey. How would they handle this situation if you're the PR person of Jalen Ramsey? Or do you absolutely love it right now? Is that part of it right now? Because you just heard the Sports Center update. Guess who they're talking about? Yeah, Jalen Ramsey. See, in the NFL, when everybody starts, all the analysts start jumping in on your topic, yeah. well, that's big time now, right? Jack Del Rio's talking. Ryan Clark's talking about him. Uh, go look and Wingo in the morning every, and who they have on asking about the situation. So that's, uh, that's star level. That's a status level in this day and age. That's good for the brand. As long as Jalen Ramsey handles everything the right way, I think all of this right now is still good for his brand. There's even a part of me, Austin, that wonders if this is kind of branding in itself. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, you know, catching the flu on purpose is <laughs> part of his brand. And by the way, for those concerned, my son has been home for three days straight now with Another the flu. Another day? And I, I see that Quincy Williams is also out with the flu. Really makes you wonder what his intentions are, if he's really sick or if he felt good after that last game and now he's taking full advantage. Uh, stay tuned to ESPN 690 as we talk about that. Not really. But, um, yeah, so we had the whole flu thing, and now there's the fact that he's had some back issues. And I think Adam Schefter reported today that, you know, he, and I forgot what the exact quote was, but, you know, he would be surprised if Jalen Ramsey was to play this Sunday. So we started out this morning with, okay, Jalen Ramsey, um, it's really weird that he just comes out and all of a sudden now his back's hurting. But then Ian Rappaport, you know, leaked out that he actually reported the back injury after the game on Thursday, and it's kind of been a lingering thing. So now people are kind of taken back by that. So it's just, um, it's like... I don't know. It's so weird to me, man. Like it's like you mentioned. Like he is the biggest thing right now that's going on in football. It seems like even with Minshew mania, but like people are reporting, like, what well, does he have the flu or does he not have the flu? Is his back really hurt? Or is this you know one of one of those power moves? It's like it's like we're watching like an episodic t- 
Calvin show like the guiding light or like, you know, I mean, like the bold and the beautiful. And it's like we're getting all caught up on all this stuff. And meanwhile, I feel like the Jacksonville Jaguars and the, the team in that locker room are just going about their business as usual. Yeah, I love the word episodic, by the way. That's very good. Thank well you. Done. Thank you. Uh, and, you know, there's a sense of this. And I, I, I get where you're coming from. And what you're saying is, come on, relax, everybody. If I'm interpreting you, like, listen, uh, the flu, you get it. You know, yeah. uh, Ronan has it. Uh, people yeah. have it. Some people are sick. Quincy Williams sick. And he was sick. I, we told you that on Monday. Yeah. It, but I also told you I had my doubts. I, no, I, sure. I think it's fair to have doubts in this whole thing. The timing is ironic at the very least. And I don't have doubts about injuries. And, you know, the hamstring thing, when that came about, remember, I think it was against Kansas City, he came out of the game for a short time and was stretching that hamstring, it looked mm-hmm. like. And so he might have been dealing with a leg thing then, and, and th- those things creep back up. Uh, he plays football for a living, man. I mean, it's hard to question. <laughs> <laughs> whether somebody's hurt or not. Yeah. But I also believe, and I said this Monday, I think Antonio Brown has made us sensitive to the truth or not the truth and the bizarre or not bizarre. You know, And I think it's so fresh in our minds what Antonio Brown did and the actions and acts and, and really this last three, four, five, six months with Antonio Brown. And I'm not trying to say Jalen Ramsey's doing that. I'm just saying this is a repercussion of that. It's a cause and effect of what we just lived with Antonio Brown. And now we have a daily soap opera update, hourly update of Jalen Ramsey, and everybody's got all eyes on it. And uh, combined with that, Austin, I think it's so unique here in Jacksonville. We just haven't seen this very much. You brought this up, I think, last week when we were talking about Ramsey nonstop, and you said, listen, other teams do this. Odell Beckham Jr., you know, the Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, the Oakland Raiders. I mean, they've had these kind of things, and it's just another thing. Well, it's not just another thing in Jacksonville. When your best football player uh, requests a trade and there's now things that have taken place, whether it was the sideline incident with Marone going back to all the way last year when he got suspended uh, in training camp, called out by Tom Coughlin, now sick, now missing practice because of injury. So there's all these things that add up to people trying to piece it together. And really, at the end of the day, it's an interest-level deal. Uh, what, what will happen will happen. Uh, I said I thought he would be there today. He was there today. Yeah. I thought he would be back at practice. I was a little surprised with the back thing, but whatever, that happens. I still believe that he will play Sunday, even though there are reports, even Adam Schefter is saying, that it will be an upset if he plays on Sunday. And <laughs> yeah. by the way, uh, I think Adam Schefter and Rappaport, who are speaking to the agent quite a bit, in my opinion, I think they're also kind of helping feed the fuel to this fire uh, by saying things like that. Because if he's already planning or might miss the week with the flu, but now he's already healthy, or might not play Sunday, but who knows? Well, they're kind of planting the part of this that says, hmm, what's going on? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, first, I want to go back to how we're characterizing this as another Antonio Brown thing, because, yes, I understand. No, no. Be careful, though. I'm not I'm not I'm not comparing this one. Well, but people are comparing it. Brent. Let's be honest here. Like if, if, if Antonio Brown didn't do all his stuff. Would we be covering this Jalen Ramsey thing to a T like we are doing right now? We might be. But my point is, I'm not sure we would be. 
Okay. Well, if we are or if we aren't, you know, we have to remember and we have to keep it within the realms of with Antonio Brown's situation, it got to the point when even he was with the Steelers, some of his teammates start to, you know, speak out against him and he started to go back at his teammates. And then when he got released, we saw the whole Juju Smith-Schuster thing who, by all accounts, were supposedly pretty good friends. Well, then Antonio Brown kind of threw him underneath the bus, and then he threw Big Ben underneath the bus. And, like, those are distractions. Like, those affect a team. Anytime a former teammate or a current teammate, you know, speaks bad about one of his teammates, you know, on Twitter or wherever it is, yeah, that affects the team wholeheartedly. And I think we saw it affect the team in Oakland, too, when he was going through all his, you know, shenanigans and things like that. You saw the GM come out and be frustrated with him. So, yeah, I understand that. But we have to be careful to how we group it, um, where if you want to say, well, this is another Antonio Brown thing, because it's not. Because I have not, I've yet to see a, a Jalen Ramsey teammate come out on Twitter and say, man, I'm fed up with this. Or I haven't even seen like a cryptic message that, you know, somehow relates to Jalen Ramsey. So we have to remember, like, I understand, like, you know, we have to all cover this stuff. But at the same time, if you're inside the locker room right now, it's business as usual. And like, listen, I guess you can say I'm not really that critical of this whole Jalen Ramsey thing because I don't think it affects the team that well. I think I was a lot more critical, and I called out Miles Jack a couple times when he got thrown off the field because, to me, when Miles Jack, you know, the, the guy that wears the C, uh, got ejected, you know, during the first game, um, you know, that's that, that's a big deal because now you're not in the field to back up your teammates anymore. So, like, I didn't feel that was more detrimental to the team than what's going on with Jalen Ramsey right now. All right, well, here's the latest from Ian Rappaport since uh, we are going to continue to update everybody. Spoke with agent uh, David Moageta, who reps CB uh, Jalen Ramsey. He said Ramsey told the team in the fourth quarter on Thursday night football that his back and ankle were bothering him. He also met with the Jags doc and trainer Thursday postgame. On Friday, he met with him again to discuss his back, ankle, and hamstring. And I can tell you this, uh, that not even from the agent side, even the Jaguars, they too have clarified that, that uh, Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey did see and inquire uh, to the doctor about his back uh, and, and leg injuries after the game on Thursday. So, uh, you know, again, we we do have to be careful that stories aren't made up. I think the crazy irony right now is what's going on. This has been a very healthy guy. Doesn't miss a lot of practices. Has played in a lot of football games in a row. Hasn't missed one. Uh, has said that he will play for this football team as long as he's a Jacksonville Jaguar. Play for his teammates. Give it everything he has. And now... In the last three days, we see the flu, which, again, is fine. You're sick, you're sick, but also injuries and a mispractice today. So the, the irony is what's greatest of all and almost is worth a chuckle in all of this, probably, Austin. But I guess that's why people, you know, listen, people are quick to um, probably deflect the truth more than admit the truth from the outside looking in. You know, yeah. we want to create the story even more than it is. Uh, but I will go back to the fact that Schefter is saying it would be an upset if he plays, and he's not necessarily pointing to the injuries or being sick. Yeah. He still kind of uh, puts a puts an exclamation point on his tweet about that by saying, well, the team and, and Ramsey are stuck in a standoff. You know, it does make you think, what is the plan here for Jalen Ramsey going forward. Do you think at this stage, I mean, uh, we don't know how healthy he is, uh, how hurt he is. Do you think he'll be out there Sunday? I think I asked you this yesterday, but has anything changed your mind? Do you think he'll play against the Denver Broncos? Yeah, um, 
I still think he'll play. I think if it's up to Jalen Ramsey, I think he'll play against the Broncos. The Jacksonville Jaguars need him to play against the Denver Broncos, and we'll get into that a little bit later, especially when we talk to Ryan O'Halloran. I think pairing him with uh, Emmanuel Sanders is going to be crucial to the Jaguars winning. That's what the Green Bay Packers did with the third corner. They they shadowed Emmanuel Sanders. I went back and watched the game a little bit, and the Packers defense had a lot of success to that. So we'll talk about that later of why they do need Jalen Ramsey on the field for this game. Um, um, especially in a really a must-win game for the Broncos um, at their place. But, you know, at, at the same time, you know, Schefter's a guy who's, for the most part, I feel like is pretty reliable. Um, obviously, he's talked to somebody. One would assume that it's probably Jalen Ramsey's agent, because I don't know where else he would get the reports that they'd be surprised if Jalen Ramsey's going to play uh, on Sunday. I mean, maybe from someone from the Jaguars leaked that information out, but you have to no. think it's, yeah, you have to think it's from the, the agent. So we'll see, you know, and... You know, if, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, and I, I see a lot of people on Twitter like, well, why don't you just pay the guy? Why don't you just pay the guy? Well, if you're Shad Khan and th- this is your team and you want Jalen Ramsey on your team, well, if you offer him that contract, it's kind of like putting Jalen Ramsey all in because you can go, listen, we're going to pay Jalen Ramsey. We're, we're going to make him the highest paid corner. And you announce it to everybody. Well, then you wait for Jalen Ramsey's response. And if Jalen Ramsey says, all right, cool. Fantastic. I'll, I'll take the, the check and the signing bonus and everything. I'm a Jacksonville Jaguar. Or else Jalen Ramsey can just go, no, absolutely not. And then that goes to show you that it's more about maybe the front office, maybe like, you know, like an 80 20, like it's 80% the front office, 20% about getting money. I mean, that's always an option too, you know, where I feel like at this point, where if you feel like you're going to lose Jalen Ramsey uh, to trades or whatever, at least throw the offer out there. You know, now maybe you don't have the money to do that at, at the very second. But then, you know, maybe make the money available. But why not put Jalen Ramsey all in, offer him the contract, and see what he says? By the way, they can do it. Uh, they can okay. make it happen. Yeah. They just would have to defer some of that money, which is kind of what they did with Miles Jack. I think he's like a 1.9 hit on the on the contra- um, on the salary cap this year. Mm-hmm. So I think they could do that and defer some. They, they'll, they can make it work. Uh, I think what you have to be careful of is do you let – this breathe a little bit before the Jaguars would be willing to do that. And how long does that go? What do they have to do? Win a couple more games? Everybody be quiet. Let this thing cool off a little bit. Uh, get healthy, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> above all. And then, and then maybe the contract thing happens. In fact, that's where I want to go with next. Are the Jags handling this the right way? You know, I think it's debatable and I think we will get debate when this ends and how this all plays out is my, is Jalen Ramsey handling it the right way and his team. But let's ask the other side. Are the Jags handling this the right way right now? I'm not saying how we got into this. We talked about that last last week with do they handle their stars well and how did we get here? Should they have paid them now? Should they wait? All those things. But right now this situation is pretty unique, man. So are the Jaguars handling this the right way led by Doug Marone? And I want to go there next when we come back. We're live from Streamsong Resort in Central Florida. Brent Martineau here, Action Sports Jacks, Austin Lane there. Stuart Weber with me as well. Marcel Robinson's in the Jags locker room getting some reaction from them and preps for the Denver game. So we'll hear from some of those guys. And Scott's hanging out with us again, pushing all the right buttons here on a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Let's go from the Jags' point of view on this whole Ramsey front when we come back. On Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 6 Night. I mean, in the day, you know, uh, you just prepare the best way you can. You know, I mean, uh, it's always an issue if you better be an issue. You know, you got to stay focused. 
uh, you know, uh, stay together, you know, and prepare the best way we can, you know. And uh, that's the testament of this team, you know. So hopefully we continue to, you know, stay together in ups and downs no matter what happens. You know, uh, you know, we just got to continue to push ourselves, prepare the best we can, and then go out there and play with, you know, for fire. That's Calais Campbell, by the way, the AFC Defensive Player of the Week after his monster game against the Tennessee Titans last Thursday night, which was almost a week ago now. Calais Campbell continues to play good football. He actually didn't play good football in the first couple of games, if we're being honest. I mean, And I think he was honest with himself and didn't really feel like he played his best football games. And then you start to wonder, and it creeps in, uh-oh. Uh-oh, is it going? And it goes fast when you're a professional athlete. He's getting a little older and then has a great game against the Tennessee Titans, and I expect him to have a pretty big one uh, here when he goes back home to Denver, Colorado on Sunday. Brett Martin at Streamsong Resort hanging out here for another day, and then we'll, we'll head back tonight to Jacksonville. We'll be back in studio tomorrow before we're at our game of the week on Friday, which is going to be Nice at Mandarin. Love hanging out on the road. The only thing is I miss my pal Austin Lane, who's back in the cozy Action Sports Shack studios. I don't really think he misses me that much, but uh, if, you know. he, if he does, he just has to kind of look at my cardboard cutout. Yeah, you know, your uh, your ginormous head, ginormous head is right in front of me. So um, with that, you know pearly white smile so it's all good from my end uh i'm glad that you missed me man um i guess i can reciprocate those feelings probably for about an hour out of the three hour show today well this is the deal too because like you know it's not like you don't like golf but you don't really play golf you know so we have some different interests yeah yeah you know yeah, like yeah. you like to beat people up for a living i really don't <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i just yeah. i i no, like, like to i like to chase the little white ball around and, you like and to talk about golf. beating people up <laughs> no, yeah. dude, and, and it's like i told you man like when we were at southampton and i was walking off the course you know i haven't told you like i i get it like i, I understand where this could be fun for people and everything not to say i didn't have fun now 18 holes especially the way i was playing uh you know, wasn't the most enjoyable experience for me, but I get it. I'm just, you know, I'm just more the active type. Like, if I'm going to be, like, doing some activity, um, you know, I at least want to, you know, like you said, punch somebody in the face. <laughs> so. <laughs> hey, trust me. Several times today I wanted to punch somebody in the face. Yeah, man, that's uh. the beauty with, with sparring and stuff. You can actually do that. So, there is, so. You know, it's really cool that you can, uh, like, for me, from a golf perspective, there's something neat about playing a place that's so unique and different. And sure. this is really cool. And I, I think if you're a golf enthusiast, you get what I'm talking about. You kind of leave it. You go play a course, and you're like, man, this is awesome. This is fun. And then after the fact, you're like, wow, that was really a cool course. Like, that was really different. We don't get to play that or do that as enough and i'd like to do it again and that's what one of these courses here at stream song resort that's what they are you go out they kind of beat you up a little bit they're tough yeah and then you leave it and you're like can we go play again like right now yeah uh, and and you wish you could but uh more about stream song resort and tell you about the course played today the red course they have three different courses that are world class here at stream song resort been a fun couple days but i want to talk about jags and jalen ramsey right now a little bit more uh and i want to take it from the jaguars point of view austin I don't know what the Jaguars can do at the moment other than sit tight. I don't really think there's a move to be made. At the same time, I'm not really sure there's a move to be made by Jalen Ramsey. So I thought this week would quiet down. And I think on the trade front, it has quieted down. You know, Mm -hmm. if you leave the weekend, if we go back to Sunday night, there's a good feeling around Jacksonville like, all right, they won a football game, so everybody's smiling a little bit more. They had the weekend off. Everybody can catch their breath from a wild week, really a wild 10 days uh, at the start of the season. And then on top of that, 
you kind of get word that the Jaguars don't want to trade Jalen Ramsey. And even though they've heard some offers, probably been extended some offers, there's no move was made, although some people thought it could be made as soon as last Friday. So I thought things, after knowing all that, things would kind of calm down. And then you'd sit in here in a lull period for the next couple of weeks even, see how the football team does, see if anybody makes you an offer you can't refuse, and see if both sides can kind of figure things out, work things out, especially with the knowledge that Shad Khan's going to hang around and, and might step in on this to some degree. Well, what kind of rocked that a little bit and has made this still an everyday story is the fact that Jalen got sick and wasn't at the facility Monday other than a quick stop to check in with the doctor, and then today the back injury and not practicing. So uh, there's daily updates which, which kind of deflect from this thing cooling off. Mm-hmm. But knowing that, are the Jags doing the right thing? Is Doug Marone handling it the right way? Should they have put out a statement by now on anything? Should Shad Khan be talking? Tom Coughlin be talking? Uh, what more can the Jags do in this situation other than what they're doing? And, and quite frankly, that's pretty much nothing and sitting tight. Yeah, I think so. Let's get a few different people's perspectives here. I think from Doug Marone's perspective... I think he's doing just fine, right? Like, you saw him during the press conference today. He kind of laughed off the the Jalen Ramsey questions, and I'm not sure if that was more geared towards, you know, oh, man, now now Jalen Ramsey got the back issue, or if he's just kind of already getting sick and tired of the the media asking him the questions, you know? Because it's like I said, this is is the guiding light. This is... uh, I don't know, pick your soap opera. I can't remember which ones my grandma used to watch when I was a Days kid. Days of Our start, Lives, maybe? I think, yeah, Days of Our Lives. Um, yeah, let's go with that one. Let's so, pick one on CBS 47 as, and Fox As story, the world yeah. turns. Is that one on the phone? Fu- <laughs> oh, sure. Dude. Okay. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> but, but the, the, this is this is that. You know, this is, uh, this is the drama that people live for. It's the drama that people eat up. And I think uh, Doug Marone's handling it, you know, just being himself, and I think that's fine. And like I said, I don't think it's a it's a distraction to the team because that's Doug Marone's biggest thing, right? Absolutely. Like, it's that's his, his job. job. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. It's his job as the head coach to make sure that what we're saying or what other people are saying, whether it's on the local media or on the national media, this isn't affecting his team. And all things considered, from what we garnered so far, uh, granted we're not in the locker room, we're not in the practice field, but I think it's safe to say that it's not affecting the players. So we can say Doug Marone is doing a good job. Um, when we go to Shad Khan, you know, Shad Khan has been very adamant saying that he wants to keep Jalen Ramsey. You know, Shad Khan's a businessman, and I think that he understands the best business is to keep your best player. Um, not only from a branding standpoint, if you want to go down that road, but also a wins and losses standpoint. So... You know, I mean, one could argue, well, does Shad Khan throw that contract out there? Do they offer Jalen Ramsey? You know, that that may happen down the line. But once again, I think the fact that we haven't seen that quite yet, possibly, is also kind of telling that maybe this is all about, you know, Tom Coughlin, like we've kind of been talking about, and not so much about the money. Because like I said before, I think Jalen Ramsey realizes and his camp realizes that he's going to get his money regardless if he's on the Jaguars or not. So then it goes to the Tom Coughlin situation. And what what is there to say about the Tom Coughlin situation? All we know about it is the fact that Jalen Ramsey um, is fed up, you know, with some of the things that maybe Coughlin has been doing. And in doing that, one would assume that maybe it's not just Jalen Ramsey that's fed up with it, but since he is the star player, he is the mouthpiece right now, all the cameras, all the attention are on him, Jalen Ramsey has earned the right to speak out about it. Now, there's some other players in the locker room. 
not so much, right? Maybe, you know, they're, they're backups or maybe they're just not the star players where if you say something, maybe you're gone. So, you know, Jalen Ramsey's kind of taking it upon himself, I feel like, to bring some of these problems to light. Now, if you're Tom Coughlin, what do you do? Because the last time at least I heard of Tom Coughlin was when he called out Jalen Ramsey and Telvin Smith. And then maybe he did apologize for it after, and I, I honestly can't remember. It was so long ago. But we haven't seen Tom Coughlin through all this, right? There, there hasn't been a press conference with Tom Coughlin to clarify what's going on. Um, you know, Tom Coughlin's like the guy in Wizard of Oz right now who's like, you know, he's he's behind the screen. We don't really know what's happening. We, we understand that there's a pretty big dynamic shift with Jalen Ramsey being upset with the front office, but that's all we know about. And we've only heard one side. We haven't heard Tom Coughlin's side. So with that being said, Maybe you do a Tom Coughlin press conference and at least kind of air things out a little bit. Uh, but that's really the only thing I can really think of, Brent, right now as far as the Jaguars organization is concerned. Yeah, it's, it's a good little um, description of all, and I want to stop at a bunch of them, okay? Yeah, yeah. Let's go back to Marone, and real quick on Marone, I think you're right. The way he's handled the situation has been so good they won the football game Thursday. Yeah. Simple as that, mm-hmm. right? Now, where does he go from here? We'll find out. It's a longer week. There's more of it. It gets a little bit trivial to them. I think it gets a little monotonous to them. I think it gets a little old to them. And so when does that hit? In fact, I thought a little bit of today's news conference where he's laughing things off, Austin, was kind of, it's not yet to like a boiling point, but it's almost to the point like, oh, gosh. The reality is we are going to do this every day, right? You are going to ask me about this every day. Whether he's sick, he's got a tight back, Mm -hmm. he's wherever. And so I think that was kind of my sense of Marone, just reading him. Uh, But, I, you know, go back a week, like I said uh, earlier this week, go back to last Tuesday, and heck, I mean, we thought this was about Marone and Ramsey. You know, there was some idea that, hey, that's I all did, about yeah. the spout. I was the, the first the, one to say it. The spat on Sunday, and we're, who's going to win this, and, and will Marone even have a job, and uh, Ramsey or Marone, you know, well, now a week later, and again, a cautious reminder of how these stories do change and the storylines do change. Well, here we are, and I think we're giving some praise to Doug Marone right now for at least getting that W on Thursday night and the way he's at least absorbed the blows of this conversation day in, day out for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, they did have the the weekend off on Saturday and Sunday, so that helped a little bit. And I do wonder when it gets too tired for them. When does it get old and somebody will go off and somebody will probably have a bad moment? Will that be Marone? Will it be a player? I'm not sure. Uh, You mentioned Shad Khan. Shad Khan doesn't have to talk right now about this situation. He did a little bit on Thursday Night Football, but it was very brief. Mm-hmm. And I think Shad Khan, from a business standpoint, is, is in observation mode. Uh, there's a lot of talk that he's around the facility quite a bit in the last week. Uh, he was at practice today. And you wonder if – we know he's involved in some way, shape, or form. How involved, I think, is still debatable. And where does it go from here, I think, is the curiosity. But I do think he is the guy that needs to step in on this front. Then there is Tom Coughlin, like you mentioned. And as much as we would like to hear Tom Coughlin talk in about Ramsey and, and what's going on, it wouldn't be a smart play for Tom Coughlin to talk right now. That would probably only stoke the fire uh, of this in some way, shape, or form. And so I think it's probably a smart play right now for Tom Coughlin uh, not to say anything. And 
what you have here, too, Austin, I, I believe, and we've said this countless times, this isn't just in the Jags building. I think this is in sports. And I think when, especially you have good, nice resumes, and Tom Coughlin has a really nice resume, and Jalen Ramsey has a really nice resume. And what does sometimes happen, at least in the initial stages, I think is ego. And you have to get by that part. You have, that's why I thought this would be the cooling off week, and mm-hmm. maybe even next week, and it would go for 10 days, 14 days. And you kind of, okay, we got all high and mighty the first week, and everybody said their piece, and, and this thing blew up. And maybe the next couple of weeks it cools down, and so does the egos. And, and we kind of get some sense of normalcy and reality to how this thing should play out. Uh, but I don't know where that is. I just know I don't think Tom Coughlin could say anything right now that would probably help the situation unless they were at a table giving uh, him a contract extension or saying that a trade has been made uh, in, in that uh, respect. One last thought for you, okay, on this. How the so, so I guess overall, and somewhere in the middle of all this is Dave Caldwell. And yeah. i got to believe the, the Caldwells of the world, and I think even the Maroons, are probably trying to, while not like working hard at it, but trying to be the peacemaker of it. Uh, or at least saying, hey, listen, we, we can make this work, guys. You know, that's my sense of it. It's like, hey, those guys are like, let's make this work. It's better for the football team. It's better for us. It's better for everybody in this organization if we make this work. So let's find a way to make it work. And to a degree, I think Shad Khan could be saying that too, Austin. Let me ask you this question, though, Brent. I assume that you said you don't want Tom Coughlin to do a press conference or just come out in public because obviously he could say something that would probably get taken the wrong way or whatever, maybe say something that he honestly feels and that would have a bad reflection on the team then, right? Is that kind of what you're getting at here? Yeah, I think, well, because I believe this should be kind of the settle-down period, let everybody catch their breath. Sure. And I think if Tom Coughlin gets in front of a microphone for the first time in months and says something that he maybe either shouldn't say or is interpreted <laughs> the wrong way, yeah. then I think we here we go again. And, and that might aggravate a situation uh, that at this moment I think doesn't need aggravating. I understand that, but at the same time, let's be honest, though. You know, like, Shad Khan's at practice and everything, you know, and granted, Shad Khan's not doing a lot of press conferences. He met with the NFL Network a little bit um, when they played the Tennessee Titans. But, like, there's no doubt about it that Tom Coughlin was hired to run the football operations. You know, yep. like, Shad Khan isn't a Jerry Jones type. Shad Khan isn't necessarily the biggest football mind in the world. So he hired people under him that could get that job done. So if you're Shad Khan, well, maybe a part of you does want to have that Tom Coughlin press conference. And if you're honestly afraid that Tom Coughlin would say something that, you know, might make the situation worse, per se, well, what do they think about Jalen Ramsey doing his own press conference? You know, uh, uh, a very emotional Jalen Ramsey who kind of had his own run at the press conference. And honestly, after it, yeah, maybe we left a little baffled, but I don't think it was super detrimental to anything. You know, he didn't say anything that was out of line. Um, sure, he may have used a couple curse words, but guess what? So does Doug Marone. So does a lot of football <laughs> players. So, like, what is that saying, though, about... Tom Coughlin, Tom Coughlin at that job right now where you're almost afraid to put him on the microphone because you don't want to make the situation worse. Yeah, well, first of all, I don't know if that's the case. Well, yeah, uh, I I, you know. Know, I'm just assuming that yeah. if I was advising, I'd be like, wait, we don't need to talk right this moment. There's nothing happening other than you responding to a guy that wants to be out of here. So yeah. that would probably be my advice. I know that's not like, listen, I'd love to hear from Tom Coughlin. I'm, I'm with everybody else. I'd love to hear from him. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to take it from their point of view. And, and the other 
other side of it is maybe he has handed this off to Shot Khan completely. You know, again, Shot Khan can trump any kind of move he wants to. He's the owner of the football team. The boss, so, yeah. th- so he could have handed that off, and, and they're like, all right, everybody else, you guys concentrate on football and go win a football game. I'll take care of this right now. We don't know. We don't know the semantics of this and, and how this is being divvied up inside the uh, building. All right, got to take a quick time out. When we come back live from Streamsong Resort in Central Florida, I'm staying on it for a couple more minutes, and then I'll get off it. But I have one more thought about, or at least a question, about Ramsey and Coughlin in this situation. And I want to get Austin's thoughts on it, uh, both short-term and long-term. And I think I know the long-term answer, but short-term is more important uh, because, well, that's all we care about is right now. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and it's coming up next on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out with us here on a Wednesday. The Ramsey Jags talk continues. And, oh, by the way, they play the Denver Broncos on Sunday. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. You know, I do think that, uh, you know, the game is based off of momentum. You know, the more you play the game and you have success, the more success comes. I mean, you just you get into a rhythm, you build a confidence. And especially for our young guys like Taven and, you know, uh, and uh, uh, Josh Allen and, you know, uh, some of the other guys, you know, 56. You know, uh, I mean, those guys being able to win and realize, okay, if I do it this way, you know, we will win. You know, uh, that's, that's really great because, you know, it just it builds that confidence and that swagger and lets them know, okay, if I just buy in, if I sell out, that we can win the ball game. That's Calais Campbell talking about uh, momentum with the young guys. Taven Bryan and Dewan Smoot having some pretty good games. Josh Allen, such a talent. It's no surprise to see what he's doing. But those other guys, they've been kind of stuck. And now for them to get a little bit uh, of momentum and confidence, I think, is a big thing for the Jacksonville Jaguars in that defensive line. Kind of like my golf game today at Streamsong. On the front nine, I had all this confidence going. And then, man, it blew up about hole number 12. And you, you wish you never hit another ball in your life. Uh, Brett Martineau here at Streamsong Resort. Really hanging out here for a couple of days. Stuart Weber's here, too, from Action Sports Jacks. Had a lot of fun uh, playing some golf. I'm not going to lie. That's pretty cool in the morning. But uh, the folks here are fantastic. Uh, the courses are fantastic. The resort is is amazing. And uh, come on over, Jacksonville. If you haven't been to Central Florida, Polk County, it is worth the trip to Stream Song Resort. We'll talk more about that in just a little bit. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jack Studios. Uh, I want to ask you about that real quick, and then I'm going to get to this Jalen Ramsey and Tom Coughlin thing. Uh, one last bit <laughs> yeah, for, <you're> now. Good. <laughs> for now. For <laughs> now. Um, he just brought up momentum. You played in the NFL for a while. It wasn't always great for you. Uh, It was good for you at times. What's he talking about? Did you ever sense that where there was some momentum, whether it was practice or games, uh, in-season, off-season? Uh, describe that a little bit for us, if, if if you can connect with what Calais was saying. Yeah, you know, I think as far as momentum's concerned, it's all about the energy, you know, and that's not only the energy that um, you feel on that practice field, but it's also uh, the energy in the locker room. And maybe you can substitute the word energy for optimism. And any time that you have a big win, especially against, like, you know, for, say, the Tennessee Titans uh, on a Thursday night who have had your number for the past couple of years, um, any time you put a, out a good showing like that and you have the pieces in place uh, to be successful, and especially at the quarterback position where he's showed you now that he can be a leader, um, he can be more than even a game manager, he can win you football games, I think when you put all those things together – yeah, there you know there's going to be a positive energy. Um, you know, there's going to be some 
momentum going forward. And uh, anytime you have that, you know, it, it makes going to the stadium at 6 o'clock in the morning, whatever time you have to get there, it makes that a little easier. It, it makes you focus during the film study a little more. Um, it, it makes you pay attention to the play calls maybe a little more. And it just snowballs from there. So I get, I absolutely get what Clayus Campbell is saying. And listen, especially in that locker room, like you're, you're never a guy to think too far ahead, right? Like they're not talking about, well, when we play the Jets, they may not have Sam Darnold. We're not going to play against Drew Brees. We may not play against Cam Newton. Like that's the last thing on their mind right now. All they're focused on is Denver. But the point of the matter is the fact that they feel good, especially after that big win against Tennessee, where they do have the confidence now. And then now it's, just, it's, it's about maintaining it, especially going to Denver, where it's kind of a hard place to play. One more thought on this, and I asked this question to these guys in the locker room a little bit from the defensive side. They've got Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, a much talked about and sometimes vaunted Denver defense. Vic Fangio is the uh, uh, Fangio. I sound like you. You say it, Fangio. You played for him. Fangio. I think it, is well, it Fangio or Fangio? I'm going to have to ask O'Halloran because he's from up in your neck of the woods, too. So it's Fangio, but like the way my accent goes, like I kind of pronounce the the, the, the A a little more than I probably should. So, yeah, yeah, it's Vic Fangio. Listen, I'm not knocking you. I'm not hating on an accent. Kind of feel like you did a little bit. I'm not. Kind of feel like you did a little bit. I'm just saying what happens is now I'm talking like you and I really don't want to. Oh, well, (laughs) that's on you, man. That's not my problem. That's That's definitely a knock. That's a a Brett Martineau problem, man. That's That's not a my problem. Listen, the guy that grew up in Rhode Island is not faulting anybody for an accent, okay? <laughs> yeah. Uh, just not going to do it. Yeah. But, uh, so, but let me ask you this one thing. Yeah. Um, it, because their defense is good, and you hear all about Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, sure. is there a little pride on the line at all for the Jags' defensive front? Which, which It's not like it's been neglected. It's not like it's been um, you know, overlooked in any way, underrated in any way. The Jags' defense gets a lot of love. I mean, the sure. last couple of years, they have had a lot of love around the league. So everybody credits them for what they are. But how much maybe in the meeting rooms when they step out on that field Sunday is like, yeah, you guys have a pretty good defense, but watch this. Or, hey, Von Miller, you're pretty good. In fact, I respect the hell out of you. You're, like, one of the best. But watch what I do today uh, because I might be the next one. You know, is there is there any sense of that, or is that kind of made up from the outside like because yeah, of guys like me? I mean, <laughs> you know, I think – that that's a little made up, right? Like, especially if you do hear it in the media. So, like, say you're a football player, say you're Clayus Campbell, you're Quincy Williams, whoever you are, and you know, and and if the reporters keep asking, well, you know, you're going into Denver and they have a great defense in themselves, well, then yeah, maybe that's a little extra motivation, right? Um, you always hear that when, especially against like Tennessee Titans, where you're facing a physical team, how are you guys going to match up? Well. They're basically saying, are you going to be physical enough to take on the Tennessee Titans? And they were. Now, with the Denver Broncos, it's a little different, right? Because, yes, you have names like Chubb and Miller, um, two of the best pass rushers in the NFL. But the fact of the matter is, is that they haven't played well. That that entire wow. defense so far, far for Vic Fangio, uh, <laughs> has, has not played well. And well, once again, I'll get into that a little bit later. I think I have some theories about why they're not playing well. And it, and it kind of falls into Fangio's uh, philosophy a little bit where he is a great defensive mind, um, but he's a stubborn defensive mind. So we'll talk about that a little later uh, to maybe explain why they're having some problems on defense. So if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars right now, like, yeah, you obviously want to show out in front of Denver because they're supposed to be this herald of defense. But at the same time, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but you don't want to play to Denver's level at all either, right? Because they don't have any sacks. They don't have any turnovers. They barely have any QB pressures. So 
if you're the Jaguars, don't concern yourself with Denver right now. Yeah, I mean, if you're the offensive line for the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course you have to be worried about the defensive line and you have to do your film study. But I'm saying if you're the Jaguars' defense right now, don't even put yourself in the same category. You've shown against Tennessee and glimpses of Houston that you guys can be great. And for whatever reason, Denver's not being great right now. All right, I like what you're saying there, by the way. And I want to uh, next segment, let's do get your thoughts on Fangio's defense and why they're struggling right now in terms of getting production. Sure. And I'm also going to ask you this. So uh, put this in the back of your noggin. And that is, what defense of all the ones in the NFL would you take first in a draft? Like, who is the best? And I'm not talking statistically right now. I think the Patriots might even be the best statistically. I mean, they blew out the Dolphins. Yeah. And they're blowing out everybody. But And maybe that's a defense you take. But there's some good defenses in the NFL. The Jags are not alone. Uh, there's a yeah. lot of good defense, from the Chargers to Denver, supposedly. Uh, Chicago, we know. Uh, so, anyway, uh, keep well, that in the back of your mind. Let and, me just ask you this, though, to keep this in the back of my mind. So, are you saying the best defense in, as far as the system that like to play in or just the overall success of what kind of defensive scheme you're throwing out there yeah i'm not saying personally for you like how uh, you would play it i'm saying more so like right now if you were tom brady or if so and so whatever one you, you wouldn't want to face him therefore okay. i want to draft that defense because i'm going to shut down the best offense in the game i guess kansas city would be the best like kansas city is even an outlier because i don't think they're afraid of anything yeah but my point is just if you could just have one defense in the nfl not to play in don't pick, pick your preferences system okay. anything like that you got the best defense i'm going to give you the best thing for a person that's never seen football sure who would it be we'll talk about that and gotcha. why fangio and denver are struggling uh on the defensive side of things to produce that's coming up in a moment but before we finish this and get to the top of the hour uh, i asked the question ramsey coughlin and and the question is not long term okay so please keep it in context uh, when you're thinking about this, you're always welcome to jump in, by the way, on the phone line, star star 690-904-362-9901. Even though we're on the road, uh, you can jump in on the phone and get your thoughts. Who's got the most power right now? And see, I asked that question, and I think a lot of people will be like, uh, th- we could go back to the, well, it's either Ramsey's got to go or Coughlin's got to go. And that's not really what I mean by it. I, I know that's the easy answer to jump on it. But sincerely, who has the most power here to make a next move, to do what's the best thing for either them or the franchise or whatever else? Uh, we might be witnessing Jalen Ramsey use some of his power this week if he doesn't play in the football game. Some of your power is I might have injuries, <laughs> so yeah. I might not be able to go. And if I want to trade and I don't want to hurt my trade value, well, then maybe I won't play if I'm not 100%. He has every right to do that. Players have the right to do that. And that could be a power play because I've seen a guy that, in Jalen Ramsey, play hurt before. And he, he's made every game so far for the Jacksonville Jaguars, even last year when they weren't very good. He played, I think it was against Indianapolis Colts, when he didn't even know he was going to go on Sunday morning. And he said, I'm going. He played, and he played well. Yeah. So we've seen the guy do it before is my point. So if he doesn't play on Sunday, it starts to, it makes you think, oh, maybe he's doing this because he doesn't want to get hurt. That might be a smart play because if he does get traded or he doesn't want to lose trade value, all those things. So how would you answer it, man? Coughlin have more power in this situation or, or the Jags front office? I probably shouldn't just put it on Coughlin. Well, no, or, does, or does Jalen? Well, let's, let, let's put it on Coughlin because obviously the Jaguars front office, because if you're counting the owner too, they're always going to have the most power. I mean, uh, Khan, you know, trumps all. But I think if we're comparing who has the more power between Jalen Ramsey and Tom Coughlin, well, let me ask you this. So when all this stuff went down uh, on the sidelines in Houston, 
And then there was the fallout. You know, Marone got into it with Ramsey. The next day, Marone comes in, and they kind of go back and forth. Marone doesn't say he remembers it. Whatever, whatever. Okay. But let's be honest here, though. When the report started to leak out that Ramsey had a problem with Tom Coughlin, what did Todd Wash say about Ramsey? He Todd Wash said he wants Ramsey in Jacksonville. Yeah. Yep. Doug Marone said he'd love to have Ramsey in Jacksonville. I haven't heard anybody defend Tom Coughlin yet. I haven't heard anybody come out and say... Well, I think he, there's the fan base that says get rid of Ramsey and keep Coughlin. I think there is an element Well, no, of no, there is. But, 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 not no, all of no, them. No, just saying no, no, I'm not talking about the fan base, bro. Yeah, yeah, you're saying I'm in the talking building. about the in the building. Okay. I haven't heard yeah. anybody defend Tom Coughlin yet. Not That's one fair. person. Yeah, very fair. Very good point. Very good point. Uh, and maybe they are behind closed doors. Who knows? Well, yeah. And, and <laughs> maybe if they trade him, that would be a defense of Coughlin. You know? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So uh, maybe with their actions, we'll find out. All right. Whose defense would you take right now in the NFL, and why is Denver struggling so much? Austin answers that next on ESPN 690, live from Streamsong Resort in Central Florida, streamsongresort.com. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jarrett Levine Studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Thanks for hanging out with us here on a Wednesday, everybody. Jags haven't practiced. Jalen Ramsey did not practice. He has a tight back amidst some other injuries like hamstring and ankle that he's getting checked out. And so Jalen Ramsey did not practice for the Jacksonville Jaguars, although back in the facility this morning. We'll see where that ends up. We've been talking about it for the last hour. As always, if you miss any of the show, you can always go back and watch it on all the video feeds on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. Uh, and on our podcast, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, and of course on your radio dial on ESPN690.com, the audio is there. Brett Martineau here at Streamsong Resort in Central Florida. What a place to be. Meanwhile, Action Sports Jacks, Austin Lane, back in the studios. What a place to be. Yeah. See? I mean, you can have it both ways. Winner, uh, winner, chicken dinner. That's right. <laughs> we are going to get to uh, a bunch of things. Uh, Melvin Gordon's situation is interesting. We'll hit on that a little bit later with Ryan O'Halloran. We'll talk more Broncos coming up uh, with Ryan O'Halloran at the bottom of the hour, uh, who now covers the Broncos, and, and we get to see him this weekend out there in Denver. And your thoughts uh, as well, Austin, on Vic Fangio's defense and why they're struggling to come up with big-time production. But first I asked... Which defense would you take in the NFL? Number one, the best one, the one you'd want to ride with the rest of the way. Of all the defenses, there's 32 teams. There's quite a few good defenses on paper and on the football field. Which one would you like the best? So, few things here. Number one, like, yeah, I could be a homer and pick the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I'm not going to go that direction. You know, I think they have one of the most talented defensive lines. But they've also shown that when guys are hurt, when guys are out, you know, um, the depth maybe or for whatever reason, they seem to struggle a little bit or maybe guys playing out of position. You know, I think we can kind of point to maybe Clayus Campbell having a rough couple first games was the fact that Marcel Darius was out. So I'm taking a team and listen, like I understand that their stats right now are a little padded from the competition that they maybe played, whether it's the Dolphins or whether it's uh, the Jets. But you have to go with the New England Patriots. You know, this is a team that hasn't even surrendered an offensive touchdown yet. And they're average. I mean, that's all you got to know right now. They haven't given up an offensive touchdown yet. Uh, they're averaging as far as, because I always say, yeah, stop the run. Well, right now, teams are averaging 36.7 yards against them in the run game. Pretty damn good. And to top it all off, 
uh, I want to say it was, I think it was game number one or game number two. I can't remember. Uh, forgive me. But um, uh, their, their linebacker, Kyle Van Noy, who really made a name for himself during the playoffs and everything, arguably maybe one of their uh, MVPs that got him to the Super Bowl in the first place. Well, Kyle Van Noy was out, and they just plugged and played some other guy, and they didn't skip a beat. So it seems like no matter if the, if the guy's out with you know a, the birth of a baby or if, if a guy's out with injury or whatever it is, it seems like whoever they put in there um, is successful. And we saw that last year, Brent, against the Rams, where we probably couldn't name three or four starters on the New England Patriots on their defense, but they still they still held a, a pretty strong you know Rams uh, offense to literally nothing. So on top of that, you have one of the best corners in the game with Stephon Gilmore. So. All those things considered, I'm taking the Patriots. You know, there really are a lot of good defenses around. Uh, you think the Saints are supposed to be pretty good on defense, and they're okay, I think, but uh, on paper they are. Minnesota, Chicago, mm-hmm. Jacksonville, Denver's supposed to be good on defense. More on that in a moment. The Rams, pretty good defense, right? Yeah. Uh, Seattle, I, they're not Seattle of old, so you got to be a little careful there, but they still have Bobby Wagner in the middle of that whole thing, and, and they can play some D, I believe. Uh, the Chargers, uh, Gus Bradley's defense out there. Indianapolis has been okay on the defensive side of the football now for the last year and a half. Houston likes their defensive players. Uh, who else do I got? Who else do I got? Baltimore. I think Baltimore is a little bit underrated on the defensive side of the ball because of what Lamar Jackson's doing. Yeah. And what you're going to tell me is, well, they gave up 33 points to KC. Well, you know what? Keeping KC to 33 points is actually a win, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good day. It, it's sad to say that, but yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure if you mentioned the Bills or the Vikings, but they're pretty solid as well. Yeah, I mentioned the Vikings, not I'm so sorry. much the Bills, but yeah. that's a good call on the Bills. So I, it's so funny to me. The irony is, in this pass happy, everybody talks offense, the QBs and young QBs now. Now, uh, Mid-shoe mania and all this stuff, yet these defenses are still really good. We have a couple of games this weekend, man, where Minnesota and Chicago play. That might be 3-2. to yeah. And then it's Jacksonville at Denver, and there's a chance that's 6-3. to three. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the two afternoon games, there's actually a bunch of afternoons, yeah. like four of them, but those two afternoon games could be seriously single-digit games, and nobody would be surprised because of the strength of the defense. No, it's to be yeah, to be fair, especially with you know Mitch Trubisky right now, um, isn't really being the you know the, the highly touted first round draft pick as they hoped. On the other hand, I feel like Minnesota at least has kind of an explosive offense, mm-hmm. so they they may score uh, a couple more points. But yeah, you're absolutely right, especially I think with this Jacksonville Denver game, and I, I haven't seen what the Vegas total is yet, but. Um, one would probably take the under for sure. <laughs> yeah, and uh, one other note, too, is yeah. uh, Philly and Green Bay play tomorrow, and I think both these those defenses, well, Green Bay's defense has looked good in the early part of the year. It's not like a highly touted defense, yeah. but they've played pretty well, and Phillies can be really good. So I'll have Philly. Uh, Phillies, not the Philadelphia Phillies, mm-hmm. but the Phil- uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So anyway, all that, let me answer the question. I, I, I still think it's, it's Chicago, and I'm going to tell you mm-hmm. why. Chicago uh, last year, had the Jags year of 2017, right? That's how a lot of people labeled it, when they had all these interceptions and and pick sixes and returned fumbles and big plays and won them games and really carried the weight, really carried the load of yeah. the Chicago Bears. And a lot of that because of what you said with Mitchell Trubisky. Well, don't you kind of get the feeling they're doing it again? See, the Jags couldn't do it again in 18. The Jags didn't get those big plays. Jags were still a top-five defense. They were still really good. And nobody wants to give them credit for being a good defense. Yards, 
Uh, I think they were top five. They had passing defense was really good, but they didn't get the big plays, the turnovers, the sacks. It didn't come in bunches. They didn't score. All those things that came so easily and so so much in 2017. Sure. Well, I get the feel, man. I don't know if you feel the same way, but Chicago's kind of picking up where they left off with some of that, and no, they have yeah. the ultimate game record in Khalil Mack. And I do like their linebackers in Chicago, where I still think sometimes it's questionable right now in Jacksonville what you're going to get from the linebacking unit. Heck. I haven't really even seen Miles Jack all over the field. I know he got hurt last week. Mm-hmm. But Miles Jack hasn't done anything really in three games to say, wow. I mean, look, that's why they gave him all that money. So I like Chicago right now, uh, even as much as I love the Jaguars' defense. But I think Chicago's proven it more to be able to continue to make the big plays. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Chicago. You know, you have, you have the all-pro uh, at, you know, the, the outside linebacker spot with Cleo Mack. You have an all-pro with Kyler Fuller at the cornerback position. You have a, a solid linebacking group led, kind of led by Danny Trevathan. So, yeah, I mean, on all three levels, Brent, well, then let's go ahead and put HaHa Clinton Dix, um, you know, at safety as well, who kind of shined a little bit the last game against yeah, the Redskins. So... It's rare that, and that's a good point. It's good that you brought up the Bears. It's rare that, you know, on every single level, whether it's the defensive line, whether it's the linebacking core, whether it's the corners, whether it's the safeties, I mean, you have studs really at all four of those spots. You know, like with the Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah, defensive line, solid. Yeah, yeah, maybe the linebacking core is coming along. Obviously, the Jaguars are set at corner, but then safety, you know, is also a question. So it is super rare to have all four levels like that kind of taken care of. But my question to you is, Take Cleo Mack out of that group quick. For whatever reason, it's quite a, I'm not trying to wish injury on anybody, so I will go ahead and knock on wood for him. But say Cleo Mack gets hurt or something like that. You take Cleo Mack out of the mix. How are the Chicago Bears' defense now? Yeah, it's not as dominant because he exactly. changes everything. I, I get it. But if you take Calais Campbell right now out of the mix after a three-sack game and what he allows them to do and everybody yeah. else, how good are they? And really, you just led me to a, a point where I wanted to make, man. Sure. What happens if you take Jalen Ramsey out of the mix? Well, are they is, even in the conversation as an elite defense anymore? Exactly. But this is my point back to the Patriots. I wanted to say, like, if you take Jamie Collins out, you know, if you take Kyle Van Noy out, like you're not going to argue all oh, that they're done on defense. Now, yeah, I think if if you lose, you know, Stephon Gilmore, well, then maybe they're going to, you know, go down a little bit. But I think just from the depth purposes and the scheme that New England runs, that's why they're my favorite defense. Yeah, and that's fair. And by yeah. the way, Collins is saying is playing at like an All Pro level in the first month of the season. Yeah. But again, well, I just <laughs> I just think New England comes with an asterisk, man. They've played nobody. I mean, really right. nobody. Yeah. And mm-hmm. not just I mean, they haven't played anybody. I mean, well, no, they, they, they're right. playing the JV teams. Like, yeah. This is like Cupcake City. This is playing, you know, like UT Martin, uh, you know, in college football. I mean, it's seriously, but, for an NFL, this is what they've played. But let's be fair, though, Brent. If we're going off last year with the Chicago Bears and how they're still maintaining, well, then let's go last year with the New England Patriots, where, you know, I yeah. mean, truth be told, yes, they they allowed, I think, 31 points against the Kansas City Chiefs, but their defense kind of won them that ball game. And then obviously holding the Rams to what they held them to in the Super Bowl, making one of the most boringest Super Bowls. Um, uh, of all time, I mean, you have to take that into account as well. Yeah, it, listen, you're not wrong. And yeah. people in New England, by the way, think they might have more talent on that football team than they've ever had before. Mm-hmm. And that's on both sides of the football. So uh, you might not be far off. Yeah. Uh, Mike's on the phone right now. Let's get him in uh, real quick uh, before we talk a little bit more about the Broncos and their defense. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Hey, um, on this whole who has more power thing, and I know you guys try to break it down Coffin versus Ramsey. But you forget, Coughlin represents the Jaguars. And when asking them who has power, let the, let the players go on strike and see who goes hungry first. 
and then that changes your whole pers- perspective on whether you want to still be on strike or not. And I'm not trying to say that players shouldn't have rights or anything like that, but, you know, you're under contract, whether you're being underpaid or not, when you sign the contract, you were paid correctly based on the rules of the bargaining agreement the Players Association agreed to. Shut up and play. If you don't like it there, play until they either say, we can't play you so it doesn't ruin the trade, or just quit, retire, and give up the money. Because he certainly doesn't want to seem to give up the money. I get tired of this. I mean, it's just, you know, guys, everybody has a boss. Everybody. And we're all in a position at one point or another in our career, of what, no matter what we do, where you feel like you have no power. It happens. You move on, you live with it. All right, Mike, appreciate the call, man. Thanks for jumping in on the situation. I think you bring up some interesting points. Uh, I'm not sure Austin's going to agree with any of them, but, uh, I, and I'm not sure I will either. Did he just, did he just said, uh, he kind of said, shut up and play. But, uh, uh, listen, this is what we talked about a lot last week. This is not a very relatable topic to the real world. You know, it, I think it's simple as that. And I thought, Listen, Mike brings up some good points. You're right. Everybody does have a boss. Sometimes you are in a situation you don't like. You still go to work. You have to go to work. And I would just bring back, I think, the big difference between uh, real life, like that we live in, the real world, and the bubble that sometimes professional athletes live in, and sometimes their world. And, and it's not a wrong world. It's just a different world than everybody else's. And that is, Austin, I think they have money in their bank already, so that means they have power to do some of these things. They at least can use that because they're not concerned. If I've got $20 million in my bank and I don't like what my boss is saying, well, you know what? I might say something to my boss, or I might say, hey, let's fix this. I might ask for something else because I'm not really worried about my next paycheck. I think it's a little easier scenario when you're making that kind of money. It's why we don't see guys that are making the league minimum do anything like this. Yeah, you know, to answer the question, who has more power? Well, obviously, the job titles would dictate that Tom Coughlin does have more power because he is the boss. You know, I mean, on the hierarchy of this franchise, yes, Tom Coughlin is above a lot of people. But at the same time, this is different circumstances, right? Like, this isn't like a regular job where the NFL is a billion you know, dollar industry. People tune in and, you know, they spend billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. I mean, this is, it's the biggest sport in the country for a reason, right? Mm-hmm. And that has to do with people wanting to tune in to watch the players. People don't tune in to watch Tom Coughlin and Tony Khan give a big high five and give a big hug after a big win. Now, that that's a great moment, but they don't tune in for that. They don't tune in to see Tom Coughlin, you know, do his stuff. The people, the fans, they turn in to watch the players. So while you may say that the front office does have more power and by job description you would be right, at the same time, remember, people aren't tuning in to watch the front office. People are tuning in to watch the players. And players are starting to realize that more and more and more now. And we'll see what happens with this next lockout. Or, you know, we'll see what happens if it goes to a lockout with the next CBA agreement where players are finally starting to get it upon themselves right now 
that they are maybe worth more money. They do want a bigger cut of the pie, and this may drag out longer and longer as it did, you know, uh, back in I think 2000. It would have been 2011. So yeah, I think you're right, and uh, I think uh, one thing Mike brought up was a little bit down the road kind of thing. You know, yeah. the new CBA, and and that's one thing I want to be a little careful of in this. When I ask the question, Coughlin Ramsey, who has the power right now? I'm thinking right now. I'm thinking the next couple of days. Thinking in the next couple of weeks, few weeks, up until the trade deadline, perhaps, or maybe even the rest of the season. I'm not really thinking down the road, long term. Listen, because the bottom line is, in my opinion, yeah, you might have the CBA that that kind of benefits Coughlin and, and the power structure that is the NFL, but you and the contract that he has signed. But also, Jalen Ramsey has more staying power at this point in his career than Tom Coughlin from a long-term standpoint. I mean, he's going to play for another decade, yeah. and he's going to help football teams, whether it's here in Jacksonville or somewhere else, play for a pretty long time, most likely in the NFL. And, All right. and, and just listen, like it's just you have to understand that the players do have a little bit of power. And I'm not trying to tell anybody don't watch football then, but if you have a problem with you know players speaking out or players you know wanting more for themselves or believing in themselves, wanting a better life for themselves. Then maybe football, maybe maybe the biggest sport in, in the country um, and one of the biggest sports in the world just isn't for you. Yeah, Let's be and, honest. Well, and, and here's uh, one other thing about this, and I don't mind it. I, I think it brings up a ton of talking points. Sometimes it's good, sometimes bad. I don't always side with the players, but I get it. And I do think there's one difference, and I'll bring it back up, like I said last week. In this Jalen Ramsey situation, the timing is not right. His timing is off. Two weeks into the season, 0-2, short week coming up. Even though they won the football game, and that's in hindsight, and that's now 10 days ago, the timing still was not right in this. Uh, whether you believe in player empowerment or not, I just don't think the timing was right. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, I want you oh, – by the way, we have a ton of comments on the Ramsey-Coughlin thing, so I'll bring everybody into the uh, conversation a little more with some of your comments. Also, I want your thoughts on – uh, the Denver Broncos and why they're struggling. And we will give away some Guns N' Roses tickets. couple of tickets to Guns N' Roses come up next on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You want to go to the show? It's really a concert. Well, we'll give away tickets right here on ESPN 690. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm at Stream Song Resort in Central Florida. Action Sports Jacks, Austin Lane, back in the studios. More football talk right after this. Hey, it's Mike Golick from Golick & Wingo. You're listening to Action Sports Jacks with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Give the guys a call. Grab your cell phone and call Star Star 690. This is ESPN 690. Yeah, it is. Welcome back to Scream Song Resort, Central Florida. Brent Martineau, along with Stuart Weber here. Had a great day. Played a little golf and uh, going to head home tonight after the show, but... We appreciate the hospitality here at Stream Song Resort. There's a fall classic coming up. If you love playing golf, that's a good event and really a pretty good uh, buy as well. Coming out here, stay a couple days, play some golf, October 19th, 20th, and 21st. Check it out at StreamSongResort.com. It's an event they started last year, had success with, and they're doing it again this year. More on that a little bit later on, but you can check it out at StreamSongResort.com. Dot com. Brett Orton here, Action Sports Jacks, Austin Lane, back in the studios. Hey, man, I want to get your thoughts on Denver real quick. Why don't you think Vic Fangio has this defense uh, running to full strength right now in terms of sacks and turnovers and everything else? Yeah, so going back and watching the Green Bay game, and I get it. When you're playing the Green Bay Packers and you're a rush end or you're that rush backer, 
you have to take Aaron Rodgers into account, right? So while you want to maybe be that 100% pass rusher and show what you got, at the same time, you have to know your levels. And it's almost like sometimes you maybe hesitate a little bit because you know once Aaron Rodgers gets out of the pocket, he can beat you with you know his cannon of an arm or his leg. So sometimes that may cause defenses to flinch a little bit. But I don't think that's necessarily the biggest problem. When we're talking about Vic Fangio, and it was a guy I spent some time with in Chicago, he is a defensive mastermind. And um, he does know how to run a good defense. But the problem is is that he can be stubborn. And history has shown this. When he was in Chicago, he had a guy by the name of Cleo Mack, who we just talked about, a fantastic pass rusher. But what made Cleo Mack go and what helped Cleo Mack out was a couple guys by the name of Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. So when we're talking about a 3-4 defense, Brent, we're talking about those rush linebackers, um, almost just as important are the defensive tackles, are the nose tackles, because if they can push things to the outside, that makes it easy on you know the outside linebackers to get those sacks. Well, I think what Denver's problem right now is the fact that there really is no push in the middle. Um, when you don't have any push in the middle, it makes it hard on them to rush backers. But the biggest problem, with Fangio's defense is the fact that, like I said, he's stubborn and he refuses to blitz. He didn't blitz in Chicago. Um, you know, he, he, he didn't blitz as a defensive coordinator and I don't see him blitzing now in Denver. So playing the Jacksonville Jaguars now, and if you're the Jaguars, you know, watching this film, you don't have to worry about the communication part because all you have to worry about is Von Miller and Chubb. Uh, yeah, they may run some twists, but you don't have to worry about that safety coming down and blitzing. You don't have to worry about that linebacker coming down and blitzing, that middle linebacker. All you have to worry about is the rush ends. And what we've seen so far is teams have been game planning for that, whether it's chipping, whether it's getting that tight end help, whatever it is. Um, I feel like if Fangio doesn't switch up his defense a little bit and blitz a little more, um, you know, I don't think he has the talent just to be straight up and beat teams. So I think Van, you know, if Vic wants to win, he's got to switch it up a little bit. All right, well, there's still a ton of respect from Doug Marone and this Jacksonville Jaguars football team for those players. Bradley Chubb, Von Miller, maybe not a more respected guy in the NFL from a pass-rushing standpoint than Von Miller. Doug Marone talking about that unit today. Yeah, I mean, they are – I mean, you're talking about arguably probably the two most dangerous guys you're going to see on the edge, you know, uh, from any of the teams in the league and a ton of respect for them. So – you know, and it's, you know, you just, you, I mean, those guys can, I mean, they can literally take over a game. I, I don't think, I think that's, you know, usually when I talk about defensive players and I've talked to our players about them, you know, when you talk about a, a defensive player and say, hey, listen, here's a guy that can literally, or here's another guy, and they've got a couple, you know, that can literally change the game and take over the game. I mean, you've got to be on that for 60 whole minutes. You know, one play can change the game, and those guys all have the ability to do it. As a player dealing with elements, where does altitude rank in terms of like? Yeah, you know, having I talked to the players about it today. You know, having played there myself. That's Doug Marone talking about uh, the the Denver Broncos defense and then uh, a little bit about altitude. Mm-hmm. But the, the altitude question we always ask the players is like, yeah, it's a factor, but it is what it is. And uh, we'll see how different it is for some of these guys. And it kind of hits you once you get there, I think, for so many of the football players just covering them over the last dozen years when you go to Denver. Uh, you're kind of like, okay, I'm prepared for it, I think, but I really can't be fully prepared for it. Much like teams that come here for the heat in early September and that humidity will just take your breath away sometimes. Yeah. So I think it's similar 
in that regard. I haven't played in it, so I'm kind of speaking out of turn. But uh, that's that's what I feel about the altitude anyway. And there's a lot of respect, of course, for Von Miller and Bradley Chubb on the defensive side of the ball from Doug Marone. Uh, we're going to bring in John Bachman from Action News Jacks right now. He's hanging out with you, I know, in the studio. Uh, one last thought on what you said about the stubborn nature of Vic Fangio. Sure. You know, we saw this with Gus Bradley, and we saw this with Todd Wash a little bit, too, is – their defense is predicated on getting four guys to rush the quarterback and get home. And if you can't do though that, it, if you can't do that, then it becomes a bit of a struggle. Why do they get stuck? Why don't they want to blitz? Like blitzing seems fun. Blitzing always seems to work. Mm-hmm. I get you can get beat with an explosive play, and I think that's how you're going to answer that, this question. <laughs> yeah. But 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 still, I mean, the risk reward doesn't the blitz usually win on the risk reward scale? I mean, it depends who you're playing against, right? I think if you're playing against Aaron Rodgers, who has great field vision, anytime you blitz, you're definitely putting the team at risk uh, on the back end. And I think the philosophy is, well, if you have guys like Von Miller, if you have guys like Bradley Chubb, they should be able to get to the quarterback. You know, So if you have those two guys at your disposal, you don't need to blitz because they should be getting sacks regardless. And unfortunately, they haven't done that so far. They've been having problems with that. And listen, I, I understand like, you know, this is a game for the Denver Broncos where you'd think, all right, this is like they're coming out party, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not how the NFL necessarily works, though, Brent, because I thought Washington was going to come out against Chicago and do their thing. You know, like that was a must-win game for Washington. They got curb stomped. You know, th- th- this is a must-win game for Denver. Who knows what's going to happen? But all I know is, yeah, Chubb and Von Miller are struggling right now. They're going to be down possibly with Derek Wolf, who's uh, one of their defensive ends, who's kind of like their emotional leader, mm-hmm. if you will. He's been there for a while in that system. Mm-hmm. Well, not in Vic Fangio's system, but I'm saying that system in Denver. And then also... uh Inside linebacker Josie Jewell uh, was out last game as well, and he might be out this game. And that's actually a Iowa. That's, that's an Iowa Hawkeye guy. And I recognize who, that name. Who they're really high, they're really high on. <laughs> Hello, John position. So, uh, you know, and they're really high on him as well, and he he might be out. I think he set out of practice today. So they're dealing with some injuries uh, to go on top of their woes. All well. right. Uh, well, let's uh, uh, let's talk more about it in a couple minutes because Ryan O'Halloran is going to join us, and we'll see you more about that defense. We'll yeah. go back and forth on the Denver defense and, and how this game breaks down because if you are going to blitz, blitzing a young player like Minshew might not be a bad idea, so we'll talk a little bit about it. All right, Bachman, what's going on, man? Well, first of all, Minshew's way wise beyond his years. Come on. Did you yes, see sir. that news conference today? Yeah, how do you not love that guy? Yeah. Well, what I would think you, everybody does. What would you do to play more <laughs> ball? Damn near anything he says. <laughs> I love it. But John, to be fair though, yeah, trying try to break your own hand with a hammer. Not smart. Not the smartest thing. No, I've ever that's heard true. Of. You're okay. right. You're right. Just, and he admitted to that. Yeah, but you, you, know, you know, football IQ and you know, not breaking your hand <laughs> IQ are are different. And, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that's called passion to play. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And yep. you want that. You want that in all your players, <laughs> but especially in your quarterback. Hey, uh, Brett, what did you shoot today? Uh, today, um, let's let's ask about the uh, front you, nine. You today. played from the you played from the ladies' tees today. No, I actually. <laughs> you know what? You were in my head, John, <laughs> and I moved up. Oh, much to I shouldn't have. I should uh, not have done that. <laughs> uh, hold on, I'm getting my scorecard out of okay. my pocket. So the yardage is more like the 6,700 yardage area. We were at more, uh, uh, closer to the 6,600 to the... today. Okay, all right, that's closer. And I'm telling you, man, they had some par fours is this on that the red backside. Course? Which course? It's the red course. Yeah. And so here's the, the, the first hole is 464, par four. Uh, the 12th hole is 472. And the 15th holds 453. Those are some big daddies now. Some some meat on the bone there. But ask me what I shot on the front. All right, so what did you shoot on the front? 40. 
That's pretty good. Yeah, that's the shortest side. That's actually really good. That's a shorter side. That's spectacular. For everybody who's got an ego about golf, myself included, and I was hitting the ball really well, but it shows you that, and the guy said it on the first tee, he's like, listen, you can probably handle the black uh, tee box from... On the front, but on the second nine, you might want to consider going to the silver because mm. it gets a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I was like, yeah, but yeah, Bachman, pl- but Bachman made fun of me for playing right. the silver That's yesterday, like... so I got to stay in the black. Well, right. I was hitting the ball pretty well, get to the 12th hole, and I really started to miss and and it was long, and it I was almost tired. Um, I'm trying to come up with a lot of excuses, but I did Dude, not play well in the back. So wait, so I'm sorry. Did you move up in the teams? No. Or did you, okay, you stayed the same. I stayed. Oh, you yeah. better stay. Don't you dare move up, Brett. Because that'd be like going to the YMCA, going to the front desk. You know what? This three point line not working for me today. Can you go ahead and tape it off a little closer? Like, let's go, Brent. Be a like man that. about it. Like be that. a man about hey, it and hit from the black tees. For the record, this though. Is- Peer pressure, a borderline bullying going on. Hey, no, no, no. (laughs) Hey, for the record, though, Brett, I want to set the record straight. There is no eagle in golf. Golf will strip you of your ego faster than anything else. You should not have any ego in golf, ever. Awesome awesome golf course today, too. It's it's so different, man. You can appreciate it. There's just so the different courses here, and we didn't play the blue, and we won't play the blue, but I have in the past. It's just a, it's just a very cool layout. I mean, if, you know all about it, man. I know you want to get here. I do. It's, it's just if you love golf, and there's a lot of other things to do, like shooting clays, and mm-hmm. the bass fishing's awesome, and the resort's great. Bring your wife. Uh, ladies can come out, and whether they want to golf or not. In fact, we played two, uh, two days now. How, how small of a world is this? We play with a couple from West Palm Beach that grew up about a mile from where Stuart Weber grew up. And the caddy who was with them grew up in Gahanna, Ohio, which is where Steph is from. Wow. Huh? <laughs> that is so, pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, the food's really good, too, here. So I'm, uh, I'm bragging all over it. But uh, here's the deal. We have to give away two Guns N' Roses tickets. So John or Austin, love it. ask me what I got on you name a number hole, and whatever uh, I got on that hole will be the call um, well, we better be careful. It better not be on the backside because we might be waiting all day That's for what the I'm 200 saying. caller. Make it no, the highest Scott. number I got today was a seven. Okay, all right, go for you it. Want me John. To go? All right, yeah. so we'll make it the first. We'll make it There's the first nine because that's all I know. The, the first nine has a better chance of having like a three or a four. So oh. let's go number five. Number five. 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 That's the par four, 344 yards away, and I got a par four. Caller yeah. number four, Call star star six ninety nine zero four three six two nine nine zero one is the number to do it and uh, give Scott a call. Hey, wow, Guns N' Roses I'm is loud in my ears, man. I feel like I'm at the concert. <laughs> We're giving away two tickets. John, what you got coming up tonight on CBS forty seven and Fox thirty, man? Oh man, I can't concentrate right now. I gotta go run through a wall. I really do. <laughs> Wow, can I can I win these tickets? By the way, no, you oh, can't. All right. Well, you know it's funny. You should say that. Um, I really can't concentrate. Put the headphones off, man. Throw those things, and you're good to go. I, I would not do well anchoring a newscast with Guns N' Roses in my ear. I would be in trouble. Uh, no, we've got a pretty interesting story uh, coming out of UNF, actually, where they are investigating a fraternity, uh, where they um, apparently gave out a questionnaire of, uh, yeah, I guess you called them pledges. I wasn't in a fraternity, so forgive me, but uh, gave out a list of questionnaires to students. Asking some, uh, you know, uh, not good questions in some cases. In fact, some of them we can't even mention on TV. But, uh, for instance, one question we can put on TV was uh, to have the student list who would they hit with a nuclear bomb. 
which is uh, it's a little aggressive. Know. Yeah, yeah. So they're investigating that because uh, yeah, they, they don't want that kind of thing. So no. um, we're uh, we're looking into that. Um, Megan Moriarty's uh, uh, talking to the school, the leaders of the school, some students there uh, on campus as well to get their reaction. Some interesting comments actually from students on campus about about what they have heard about that. Uh, as well, so we'll we'll give you that. A bunch of other stuff going on. Uh, of course, we've got the you know Jalen Ramsey watch. Um, day nine. He, day nine. He he he's. He, I guess he's he was at the facility today, but did not practice. You guys Correct. have talked about that at yes. length, I'm sure. Um, as the Jalen turns. As the Jalen turns, and mm-hmm. also really one more thing. Um, uh, JSO announced uh, the arrest in a murder case that I, I don't want to call it high profile because it's maybe not something. Uh, a lot of us followed locally, but it's actually part of a, a a national trend that is problematic. Clearly, obviously, when you talk about murder, it's problematic. Mm-hmm. But um, it is it is a high profile case in that sense, um, in in the sense that it's part of a national issue that uh, um, a lot of folks are trying to address. So wow. um, we'll tell you more about the arrest and 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 get some details on that uh, coming up on Action News Jacks at five on CBS forty seven and Fox thirty. Right? All right, thanks, man. Appreciate it, John yeah. Bachman. Catch thanks, him tonight, CBS forty seven and Fox thirty. Action News Jacks, John. And uh, Taniki Hughes and Mike Borish, and uh, we'll chip in a little bit, too, on the sports side of things on CBS 47, Fox 30. All right, we're going to send a break. When we come back, Ryan O'Halloran will join us. Remember, uh, the Guns N' Roses tickets, caller number four. If it hasn't already happened, star star 690-904-362-9901 is the number to win a couple of Guns N' Roses tickets. And one more thought, Austin, by the way. Weber looked this up for... as the world turns, I guess it's not on CBS 47, so it's either Bold and the oh, Beautiful or no, Young and the Restless. Young and the Restless. Young and yep. the Restless. Uh, yeah, Young uh, and the Restless uh, and Bold and the Beautiful, yeah. right? So I guess you got to call it the Young and the Ramsey then? Young and the Ramsey. Oh. Very good. All right, that's, that's what, what we're going with. The big bucks. Young yep. and the Ramsey. Mm. That mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. continues next on ESPN 690. All right, cool. How about Bold City and, uh, Bold City and the Beautiful? ESPN 690. Sports Interrupted. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Oh, man, he can make all the throw. He has great touch, touch on the ball. Um, I would say probably uh, one little negative is probably... His arm strength is just its probably average, but everything else, he can make all the throws. Great touch on the ball, on the deep ball, and um, his receivers, are, they're getting open for him. From the Denver Broncos, an honest assessment of Gardner Minshew in terms of the arm strength. You don't usually, usually hear other players maybe just kind of uh, really pump other players up, even if they don't think they're great or they might have a, a negative. Um, he brought up the arm strength, and that's certainly a question mark with Gardner Minshew. Sh- certainly hasn't been in the first three weeks. That has not been an issue. He's thrown the deep ball extremely well, and what I say is he throws that boundary pass well, you know, really his, well so far. He's average strength if you compare him with, uh, I don't know, Atlas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, that's Scott jumping in. And right now we welcome in Rhino Halloran from the Denver Post joins us weekly. And, well, we were looking forward to this week, man. We get to see you out there in Denver. Hope you're doing well. And you are covering a football team that is probably in desperation mode. Yeah, you know, if they're not, they should be. Uh, they're, they're not doing anything well right now. And, you know, that's what you when you when you have a slow start, you say, okay, what can you hang your hat on? Do you, do you score points but can't stop anybody? Are you creating turnovers but can't protect the passer? 
these guys don't have anything to hang their hat on right now, and uh, I think there's a really good chance they dropped 0-4 on Sunday. Obviously, that defense has been pretty disappointing in terms of getting turnovers, getting sacks. The numbers aren't coming up uh, the way they wanted them to. That doesn't mean they're not talented, though. Uh, what is the problem right now for this defense? Well, they're missing some guys. That's a lame excuse, but I'll go with it. Uh, and then second part, you know, this is a defense that predicates itself on getting a lead. That means they can ramp up their pass rush. They don't have to blitz to get pressure. That will lead to turnovers. Problem is, they're getting pushed around up front. I mean, their run stats are respectable, but they're just not really stopping people. They're giving up, you know, three yards, five yards instead of, you know, no yards and getting teams in the second and third long. And then, you know, in the secondary right now, Bryce Callahan was supposed to be their number two corner. He's been shut down for another six weeks with a foot injury. Uh, Kareem Jackson, who's their safety slash nickel guy, he did not practice today. So uh, Derek Wolf, their starting defensive end, he did not practice today. Their inside linebacker, Josie Joel, he did not practice. So their combination was struggling and banged up. What's up, Brian? It's Austin Lane. Um, listen, so I was talking about Vic Fangio a little bit on the show. I played for him for a little bit. And the biggest standpoint, number one, I think he's a great you know defensive mastermind but i remember when we got our playbooks you know the first day that he came in and i got it and to be fair as a as a rush linebacker like i was playing it was pretty black and white like there wasn't a lot of different exotic looks and a lot of blitzes and things you know and and i think that's kind of what fangio goes by was he he doesn't really rely on the blitz to get to the quarterback i think he relies on uh, on his outside linebacker so my question to you is i mean does coach have to kind of take a look at himself and be like you know what we're not getting the quarterback right now we have two of the best pass rushers in the game who aren't generating the sacks do you have to kind of change the scheme a little bit i think he does i think he needs to take some more chances uh, he blitzed five or more on five of 29 dropbacks with Aaron Rodgers. He rushed three a couple times against Rodgers. But to me, that's not a great proposition because when Rodgers has time, he's eventually going to find somebody, and you cannot plaster for six seconds. So I would try some things with Miller and Chubb lined up on the same side instead of working both edges. I would do some stuff to challenge the state Jaguar offensive line with their communication since they've had some guys in and out. So, you know, no sacks, no turnovers through three games, you know, that's the main reason why they're only three. Ryan, when we're talking about the Broncos' offensive line, it's almost like a complete polar opposite of the Jaguars' offensive line, where the Jaguars have been fantastic in pass blocking, but can't run the ball to save their lives. It seems like the Broncos um, are pretty decent at run blocking. You know, I think a lot of that is with Phil Lindsay being able to make the first guy miss out of the backfield, but they can't, you know, they can't pass block to save their lives. I mean, from your perspective, which problem would you rather have more? Um, I guess what which problem should you, would you be more worried about, and how do the Broncos fix their problem? They got they got to they got to make sure Joe Flacco has time to throw, and you know they've been he's been sacked eleven times. The problem is I've given four of those to him because he's held on for too long. I did not expect that out of a twelfth year veteran quarterback. I thought he would live to play another down, or maybe make some quicker decisions. From the Jaguars, I look at working over left tackle Garrett Bowles. Uh, you know, he didn't have a penalty last week. They damn near had a parade for him, even though he gave up one and a half sacks. <laughs> that shows you what the standard is here. Um, so if I'm in, in Gakwe, if I'm Allen, if I'm Calais, I'm raising my hand to take take chances against number 72. Um, and then, number, uh, you know, Juwan James, their starting right tackle. He's been out since the first part of week one. Elijah Wilkinson at right tackle. He had some tough sledding last week, too. So, you know, they're running okay. Phil Lindsay's longest carry is still only nine yards, so it's not like he's popping home runs yet. 
but they do have to shore up their protection. Ryan O'Halloran with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, covers the Broncos for the Denver Post. Used to cover the Jacksonville Jaguars. So very familiar with the Jags as this is Jags Broncos week. Sunday at Mile High, 425 out here Eastern time on CBS 47. You can watch that game. You know, it's funny. I can only imagine people listening to the show right now. They said, oh, you said number 72. You sure that's not disguised as Josh Wells? <laughs> Balls. <laughs> If, if that was Josh Wells, then if Joe Flacco would be in a full body cast at this point. <laughs> Bowles, by the way, got called out by uh, – was it Elway that he got called out by? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's – how odd thought, was that? Yeah, and I thought that was a, 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 probably a mistake by the GM, but it totally within his right because, you know, Vic Fangio and Mike Munchak, they both spoken during the week last week after Bowles was bad gaming in Chicago, said, hey – he, you know, we think he's going to get cleaned up. We know he we, he knows what he did wrong. Sort of trying to build him up a little bit. Well, here comes the GM to bleep all over him. Uh, I mean, it's great great copy, but it uh, it's probably an extra headache Dick didn't need. Yeah, let's uh, let me ask you this: the the young quarterback wave right now is a hot topic in the NFL. Quarterbacks are doing pretty well. I mean, heck, Kyle Allen comes in for Cam Newton, throws four touchdowns, and we know what Minshew Mania is doing and, uh, across the country. But here in Jacksonville, what is the view of Gardner Minshew? Uh, is it still yeah, but he's a rookie uh, in that Denver locker room or even in in Denver? What's the thought on on the Jags' young quarterback? Well, yeah, I think some people in this area are familiar familiar with him for his one year in the Pac-12. So. Washington State, so that sort of helps a little bit more of the awareness. But I thought Vic Fangio had a good point today. To hey, quarterback's the most important position in the game. It's also the hardest to evaluate. Or else this guy wouldn't have gone in the sixth round. He would have gone a lot earlier. But uh, and then he said he's making decisions far advanced for his you know experience level. So I think it's complimentary. I mean, right now these guys don't have a leg to stand on. They're going to talk good about everybody because they haven't done anything yet. Ryan, so going back to that Packers game, you know, and I think Emmanuel Sanders was kind of candid with what he said where, you know, he wasn't really calling out the team, but he kind of egged it on that he only got four targets, only got two catches. And, you know, we're talking about Jalen Ramsey here, if he's going to play or if he's not going to play. Well, if you watch what the Packers did uh, the last game against the Broncos, you know, I think – Yair Alexander really covered Emmanuel Sanders for a lot of that game, and Yair Alexander, in his own right, is starting to become you know one of that one of those shutdown corners. But with Jalen Ramsey, say if he wasn't to play, I mean, could we see Emmanuel Sanders get you know twelve to thirteen targets just because I feel like if a guy like that, uh, you know, one of those veterans calls out saying he's not getting the ball enough, chances are they're giving the ball the next game. Well, you know, whining does lead to being prioritized the next week, doesn't it? So <laughs> I, think he'll be, I think he'll be in that opening script a little bit. Um, if no, I mean, if, if no Ramsey, if he decides to milk this actually and don't play in the game, uh, it gives an advantage to the Broncos because if you're the, if you're, if you're Todd Wash, do you have Boye travel with Sanders, uh, which includes playing inside, which is not AJ's home, mm-hmm. uh, but, it need to be up to them, and then also who covers Cortland Sutton. So it would be a big matchup advantage for the Broncos if Ramsey does not play. Ryan O'Halloran with us from the Denver Post. Uh, let me ask you about Ramsey. Uh, I do it every week, I think. <laughs> it feels that way. Uh, but has anything changed uh, in terms of the outside perception of this story? Uh, after We talked to you last week after he'd already uh, requested a trade, but now missing practice because of the injury and, and was sick on Monday. And by the way, like those are real things. But I would imagine from the outside looking in, this looks like part of the whole scheme and standoff with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, you know, the Monday's thing about him being sick or whatever, you know, to, to reach the soap opera stage, 
so right now it's just going to be something every week, and it's up to the players and the coaches to not let that impact them. But it, uh, you know, I think what crystallized for me is the podcast last Thursday, where he did point the finger at, at, the, at management and not the head coach. I mean, he's going to have problems with just about every coach he has because he thinks he should be calling the plays. But, you know, this all goes back to Tom Coughlin, calling him out, about, not by name, but he didn't have to earlier this spring, and he took that the wrong way. And, you know, you know I think, you know, people are going to, you know, people are going to be critical of Dave Caldwell because they just don't like the results. But I think he does have a, a medium-type demeanor to help that front office and that coaching staff in times like this. You know, because he'll say, okay, you demanded a trade. That doesn't mean we're going to have to deal you. Yeah. Let's say, look at from their standpoint. Let's say they come in here and win this week. They're 2-2. Two and two. They could be in first place in the division. Well, chances are you're just going to tell the player, we're not dealing you. So play. Yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's what he'll do. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to remember as we continue to talk about Jalen Ramsey is the trade deadline's not until late October. So the Jaguars can drag sure. their feet on this as long as they want to see where this season goes. If they lose and, and it becomes a, a uh, circus, well, then they can get rid of them, especially if it's a toxic situation. But if they win, they need him, and they want to keep winning, and they want him to play because he's a super talented guy. Uh, I want to go back to the quarterbacks for a second, man. Uh, oh, you got a thought on that? Yeah, just one last thing is all these things can be said about not being a distraction, and he's showing up for his meetings, and he's playing, but it's very tough to walk back from a trade demand. And so I, eventually I think there will be some kind of resolution, but it may not be until the off season. And I think that's where the error in the Ramsey camp was made by an agent who let his client get emotional instead of trying to calm him down. He said, yes, sir, I'll call in the trade request. You know, play out this year. Let's say let's say they're two and four, two and five uh, at the trade deadline. Then maybe you say, hey, this team is not really going to place I'm happy with as time to move me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you the timing. I didn't like the timing of this. That's probably what I criticized Jalen Ramsey and his camp for the most out of all this situation. All right, uh, a thought on quarterbacks. Is it easier to play quarterback in the NFL all of a sudden? Because all these young guys are coming in to do it. I thought it was like the hardest job in the world. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, I think, I think you get, if, you have, if you have an offensive coordinator who admits, hey, I can't run my whole menu with this guy. So let's focus on certain plays for certain situations. You know, it's about trying to get put these players into a sense of calm and a sense of position where they think they can can succeed. I mean, Minshew's showing that, hey, a lot of rookies can play. Joe Flacker should be glad that Drew Locke is on IR right now or else that chat will be starting here. So, but, it's you know, I'm always in favor of playing the rookie quarterback. I don't think Blake was, you know, scarred forever by playing so early. It could help them, and I think that's true with a lot of guys. All right, uh, Ryan Austin, you got anything else? Uh, no, I mean, I was going to bring up, uh, that's a good point with Blake, but also Blaine Gabbard, too, I felt like, you know, wasn't quite ready to take the reins. Um, but at the same time, I mean, he was kind of forced into that role, right? Like, they they yeah. let go of DG and everything, so it was kind of Blaine's job to have. So, But I understand what you're saying, Ron. Well, they, they, I think the, the big thing with the Gabbard thing is that came right after the lockout, so he yeah. got thrown into the fire with no OTAs. Mm-hmm. No rookie camp. I mean, and barely a training camp. So I think the situations are different. But I think also a lot of these guys are probably more mentally stronger than Blaine Gabbert was. Yeah, that's a very good point and fair enough uh, to at least question that. Ryan O'Halloran from the Denver Post. Jags Broncos Sunday, man. We'll see you this weekend. Okay, take care, fellas. Thanks. All right. Thanks, for Ryan, uh, checking us out. And, uh, by the way, Austin, next week. What's up? I mean, you'll have to talk wrestling. 
right? I mean, that'll oh, be like well, a week away. The, I know. That, that's the premiere of All Elite Wrestling, man. And it's funny because I don't think I even shared this story yet, but it was going... Well, it was a couple weeks ago. Going to the stadium, saw Tony Khan, and uh, Tony's like, "Hey, you coming to you coming to DC for the first show?" I'm like, "Sure, sure, Art, man. Sorry, I gotta stay in Jacksonville." And then he's like, "What are you doing? You know, are you gonna come to November to Pittsburgh for uh, the first, you know, the, the next pay per view?" I'm like, "Dude, I have a fight, man. Unfortunately, I can't do that either." So, you know, like, it was cool that he wanted me to be there for all those things, but at the same time. I have a lot of my plate as well. I mean, if I had it my way, yeah, I'd go chase, I'd go tour the countryside with Ollie Wrestling. But unfortunately, uh, I still have to pay the bills. They might hire you sooner or later. Next you time you see Tony Khan, can you ask me if they're going to give uh, Jalen a contract extension, please? I will, be sure to, talk, well, okay? I will be sure to run that by him, for sure. <laughs> All right, and more football talk, including uh, some of your comments about the Coughlin-Ramsey situation and uh, more from the Jacksonville Jaguars as we continue from Stream Song Resort in Central Florida, right here on Action Sports Jackson. He ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Yeah, well, luckily, you know, with where I'm at now, I'm getting a whole, whole bunch more reps than, you know, I have in the past, so... You're able to kind of work on everything, um, and, and it is, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's it's so much fun, especially, you know, when you see your chemistry getting better with guys on the team, you know, see you're starting to hit these balls that you might have been missing, or, you know, you, you feel the, you know, trust and the confidence you're growing, you know, with your teammates. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun to build. That's Gardner Minshew. Minshew Mania continues in Jacksonville, really all across the NFL and across the country from coast to coast, uh, Washington State to Jacksonville. Really been a lot of fun. We'll talk a little Gardner Minshew in just a few moments. Also, Ramsey Coughlin and uh, where the great divide is uh, between those two powers, one in the front office, one on the football field. Some of your reaction to that in just a little bit as we continue here from Stream Song Resort. Brent Martineau, give Austin the break here uh, to go get something to eat and prep for tonight's training uh, for his next MMA fight. And we bring in Scott Wilson, who is the director of golf here at Stream Song Resort. First of all, thanks for having us out. Uh, good to be here the last couple of days. Great people you guys all work with, and uh, what a cool place. Our pleasure. It's great to have you here, and uh, we've got a beautiful day. And uh, beautiful golf courses. Yeah, the beautiful golf courses is right. Number two, three, and four in the state of Florida. I mean, this is world-class kind of golf courses. That's what I've been trying to tell everybody in Jacksonville. It's not just Florida, not just the United States. We're talking world-class. Uh, what makes it that way, in your opinion? You know, there's so much going on out here. Uh, first, I would say the conditioning of the golf course. It's fast, it's firm, it's sand-based. And from there, you have all the other items on the list, uh, such as, you know, the good greens, um, you know, the rolling well, the design of the golf courses. You got Core Crenshaw on red, you got uh, Tom Doak on blue, and then Gil Hands on black. So when you add it all up, there's just a fantastic piece of land for all three. And with all the characteristics, the dunes, the uh, wavy grass off in the distance, um, the ample fairways, the big greens, it's fun. Yeah, you bring up Hans, the, the designer. He was he also designed the the 2016 Olympics course uh, at, in Rio, right? That's correct. Uh, so you know, world class designers as well putting these things together, and it's just uh, the uniqueness of the resort. First of all, the uniqueness of the place, the property is obviously evident, but the uniqueness of the golf course uh, I think is fantastic because we played black yesterday, played red today, and totally different. I mean, you could. 
you, you could be in two different states uh, and play those two golf courses. Yeah, and in fact, it's funny you say uh, different states because Tom Doak said that when he first came here, he was up on top at number one blue right there above us, and um, he said that if you had dropped him blindfolded onto this property, he would have gone to about 46 different states before he picked Florida, huh. and only because of the the water, the alligators, the, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, how about that? And that's a good point because I actually said to Stuart when we were walking out of here, when we were done with our round today, and I said, doesn't it feel like we're in Arizona? <laughs> you know, kind of has a desert feel walking out of the clubhouse uh, uh, where the uh, red-blue course is. But it does not feel like anything else in Florida. And I haven't played every course in Florida. So uh, we were talking to one of the caddies today, kind of brought up Bandon Dunes. You know, you bring up some international golf sometimes. Sure. I mean, it's reminiscent of a lot of different things, but not really Florida golf other than the alligators, as you mentioned. Well, I've been asked before, and I see bits and pieces of Ireland, Scotland, Nebraska, you know, Oregon. Um, you you see all these different aspects, but none of them, you know, golf courses are unique no matter where they are. But with this piece of land, you see bits and pieces of everything and kind of come together uh, due to the architects and the piece of land. We were just talking, and I know everybody's different. Some people like really easy golf courses. Some people like hard golf courses. A lot of people like greens that are true and fast and or everything firm and fast. Everybody has their different way of playing. And by the way, here at Streamsong, you can play way back. You can play in the middle. You can play up. So you can get a different feel and a different level of golf uh, on every single golf course. But what impresses me, and I think what I take away from this golf course and I have fun with, is the unique shots that you hit and that you try. You know, I mean, I don't get to try a lot of these shots all the time. Maybe if you're a professional golfer, you have and you've practiced them. But I, I was telling the story. I was on black yesterday, 12th hole, and pin high, and on a sandy cart path and putted off it, and two-putted. Uh, he wasn't giving me a drop. It, well, he wasn't giving me a drop. <laughs> it, it allowed, but it allowed you to do that. And this course allows you to play a lot of unique shots, different shots. Uh, that's got to be one of the great characteristics of Stream Song. Yeah, I think from the get-go, uh, you know, Rusty Mercer's our golf course agronomist, and uh, he has had the fairways, the chipping areas or the approaches, the greens, all fast and firm since day one. That has allowed us to to show people other shots. And someone coming down here in January that hasn't played for four months and trying to hit a shot that they might have hit in the summer out of thick rough up in New York might not work here because there is no rough and you've got the tight lies and you might have to use a 7-iron or a hybrid or a 3-wood putter like you did off the path. So uh, it allows for a little creativity. And I think that's what I like and enjoy the most about these three courses, the creativity around the grains. If you miss a grain, you've got several options. You don't just have the one lob shot. Yeah, let's just hope you have it in your back. Uh, yes. <laughs> that's the other part of it. You can use your mind, but let's hope you can execute the shot as well. Here's, I'll give you uh, how different these courses are. And uh, the starter today told us this. Red and blue, and you can correct me if, I, if, I'm, if I'm wrong on it, but I think I interpreted it right and heard correctly. Red and blue combined don't have as much uh, square footage on their greens as black does alone. Is that um, probably a little bit overestimated on that. Okay. Uh, black, the greens are bigger, uh, but you wouldn't have the greens add up on red, blue to okay. be more than okay. black. Uh, but it gives they you an idea of black. Right? Yes. I mean, the black exactly. green, they're huge. They they're are big. Massive. Uh, but, you know, they also, a lot of it is recovery area, and that's what sure. Drew was looking for, that, that shot that hits the green, uh, but on a slope that kind of kicks it down to the right, 
and all of a sudden now you have to decide do you want to flop it up there pitch it into the hill or putt it or or bump and run it up there yeah and that's that three options right there that's really cool. I, and I love the big greens. By the way, they're good for your statistics. Greens <laughs> and regulation. Well, maybe not your putting statistics, but your iron statistics. Exactly. Uh, Half of it. You know, here's the other part. You have the fall classic coming up. You tried this last year. Tell us how it went. But you will have corporate events here. I think we saw one yesterday. Sure. Uh, in the lodge area. And then you have the everyday golfer, the Florida golfer, the traveling golfer. And I think that's always a unique but fun thing is when you can get a bit of both worlds colliding yeah. at a golf resort golf course. And I think that's that's one of the benefits of having three golf courses is that you can have the corporate on one uh, and then the buddy groups on another and then the mix of, of individuals or foursomes, that kind of thing, on another. And uh, yeah, the um, Fall Classic's coming up uh, in October uh, 19 through 21 and it's a two-person team, uh, and we have some fun formats in store. We're not going to divulge that yet, mm-hmm. but uh, it might play a different format every nine holes, and we did it last year to you know, great success. We had over 100 players, and we're going to do the same this time. We're playing black and red over the two days. Uh, we have a welcome reception and a uh, farewell lunch, awards uh, lunch, so lots of fun. All right, streamsongresort.com for more information on the Fall Classic. Uh, I had, I saw Stuart Weber play the last two days, so if I play in that, I'm not picking him on my team. Uh, we'll have to find a better golfer uh, for that. Maybe you. Maybe you're available. But you it sounds go. like you'll be working uh, that time frame. You also have, this will be seven years in December. Yes. Right? And you've been here since the start. Yeah, uh, it's been great to see the changes uh, in seven years. You know, we started off with two golf courses in this clubhouse uh, with 12 rooms upstairs. And then the following year in January, um, of 14, uh, 216 rooms in the lodge, and then the uh, all the other um, uh, amenities that came with it, the bass fishing, the sporting clays, and uh, the spa. It's just grown and grown, more restaurants. And then Black came on uh, line about, uh, just about two years ago, uh, this end of this month, so 2017. And so 54 holes. Uh, the black also brought the two-acre gauntlet putting course, which is loads of fun. People stay out there for hours and just <laughs> step outside the clubhouse with a beer, go putt, come back. And then uh, the roundabout, which is seven holes. We can say par threes, but it's basically a free-flowing practice area. You can go out and chip and putt. You can have a competition with seven holes, or you could say you won the hole. You pick the tee and the green to go to next if it's not busy. So, very good, very good. Yeah, Scott Wilson, uh, director of golf here at Stream Song Resort, with us. By the way, I do this thing on uh, social media called hashtag Battle of the Sunsets. You get some pretty good Battle of the Sunsets here at Stream Song Resort on a beautiful day. We've had two gorgeous days, and the weather's really been good for you guys for quite a while, right? Yeah, it's been dry. Uh, when you said Arizona, I wouldn't go that far, yeah. but uh, definitely it's drier. Uh, you feel like the humidity's starting to disappear. and. You know, late September, early October, November is fantastic in uh, the state, and uh, we can't wait till uh, people are starting to come down. What uh, What's the best scores out here that you can remember? Do you recall? Well, I didn't ask you this to prep it, so if you don't remember, that's fine. But. Yeah, no worries. Uh, Red, the lowest tournament score is 69 uh, for the um, USGA Mid-Am qualifying. Uh, that was about four years ago. And then uh, Black, we've had some 64s, some 63s. U.S. Open qualifying was at Black, the sectional, which went to Pebble Beach this year. And uh, the gentleman shot a uh, pair of 64s. Uh, what's that, 14 under par? That is good with play. 
two double bogeys. Really? And then blue, we've had some 64s and 65s. So uh, we we love having uh, the tournaments. We had the USGA uh, Women's Four Bowl on blue, and that was our first national tournament. So fun stuff. You have had some of those kind of events. Uh, I'm sure you're pretty settled in. you got enough going on. Put an eye down the road, and I'm not sure you're allowed to say this, but it's my job to ask you. Could we someday see an event here? Could you guys house an event? Like a, oh, yeah. like a PGA style event? We we'd love to have something. I don't know how big we can get because of the um the dunescape that we have out there. You know, fairways and green to tee is great for the players, but as far as having ropes and uh, TV towers and that kind of thing, we'll see where that goes, but we'd love to have an amateur event. Uh, whether it's a you know women's amateur, uh, junior boys, junior girls, um, college, you know collegiate, yeah. uh, maybe NC2A or something like that. So we're looking forward to it. Uh, you know, seeing what comes down the pike. Very good, Scott Wilson, director of golf. Appreciate you having us out. It's been fun hanging and and like I said, the golf courses are awesome. The resort's great, uh, but the people are really cool out here too. So you get to some work some pretty good people. Oh yeah, uh, we we see people all the time, and the staff has been great. Uh, you know, they they come from all over the place uh, in the golf world uh, to come to the next great place. So it's been uh, really nice to have uh, people come down from all over the world. Caddies have been coming from all over the place too. So um, we, I was over just a quick story. I was over in Scotland uh, a few weeks back, and it was at Kings Barnes, and three caddies were like, "Hey, I want to go to Streamsong," and they had been talking to caddies that played over there just a couple of weeks before I got there. Wow. So they were already in talks with Greg, our, our caddy master. That's a good reputation. Yes, and uh, some fantastic caddies. We had the pleasure to be hanging out with the last couple of days. All right, Scott, thanks for having us again, man. We really Thank appreciate you. it, and. Uh, Great place, Jacksonville. Come on down, Streamsong Resort. If you haven't been yet, you got to get it here. Put it on your bucket list and uh, bring all your buddies. Bring bring your wife. Bring uh, a big group. Uh, you guys house them all. We'll do it all. <laughs> all right, StreamsongResort.com. And that Fall Classic is coming up October 19th, 20th, and 21st. When we come back, back to football, we'll bring in Austin once again and some of your responses about Coughlin versus Ramsey. And Minshew Mania will hit that here on a Wednesday edition of Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, live from Streamsong Resort in Central Florida. Hi, I'm Ryan Murphy, Olympic gold medalist. You're watching Action Sports Jacks. It's just so damn figuring out week by week. Um, but luckily, like I've said a lot, I have a lot of help around me, you know, and just in my room in particular, you know, with. Nick and then Coach uh, Milanovic and Flip, uh, surrounded by some great dudes, and they're, they're, you know, helping me as much as they possibly can. All right, so I don't think Brent is quite back yet, so I'll take over from here until he does get back. Uh, handling some of the business end, not a big deal. Uh, it's all good here. But, all um, pro rock star, man. All pro rock star. So I'm sorry, I, I kind of got that conversation. I, I, was that Gardner Minshew coming back in on the... That was. That was the stash himself. The stash himself. So, yeah, I mean, when you're talking about Gardner Minshew, like, listen, and it's so funny, and I've talked about it before on the show. I mean, there's there's so much hype around Gardner Minshew right now. Um, It's at a different level. And one's going to say, well, when does this ride stop? When does this ride get off? And when is your ticket no longer good? And that might come 
maybe three or four weeks down the line and may come back when Nick Foles gets back. But honestly, I don't see it happening against the Denver Broncos. You know, the Denver Broncos are always a team that has been synonymous with their with their defense. You know, they've been defined by their defense a lot like the Jacksonville Jaguars have. And when I, when I look at that Denver Broncos team top to bottom, especially on defense, you know, I'm not intimidated. Now, one could argue, well, yeah, you have a rookie at the right tackle, and then you have a left tackle who's coming back off an injury in Cam Robinson, and you would argue that the strength of the Denver Broncos defense right now is that they're pass rushing outside linebacking uh, guys, and I, I would agree with you. So it's really going to come down, I think, those two guys, our tackles. If, if the tackles can play up to their abilities, um, I just don't see how the Denver Broncos defense can stop the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially with John D. Filippo. He's so good of using um, things that Gardner Minshew's good at, and one of those things that he's good at is to storm the short ball. If you go back to that Green Bay game, Green Bay didn't throw a lot of deep passes. Green Bay got a lot of success with throwing the short ball because for whatever reason, Denver couldn't stop it. So it'll be interesting to see um, if that's the game plan that the, the Jaguars choose to implement here is with obviously getting the getting the game of you know running the ball going first, but then also implementing the short passes as well. Austin Lane, welcome you, back, Brent. Did you really just say you don't see how the Broncos defense? can stop the Jaguars' offense, that's like music to everybody's ears. That's like a high compliment to I the offense. I was just saying that I'm it. not intimidated by, by you know, the, the Broncos' defense right now. I mean, that's kind of what they've been defined by um, ever since their Super Bowl runs, I think, even with Peyton Manning playing at a pretty good level. But uh, this isn't the same Denver Broncos' defense, at least that I've seen so far on film. Was, All right, that, well, was that what we would call a flex by proxy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. It just may well be. Uh, either that or that's mad respect for Minshew Mania right now. And, uh, you know, this, you, you brought up Fangio quite a bit today. And what I'm curious is can anybody confuse the kid? And they play a simplistic defense. It's not based on confusion, it's not based on disguise. We've already had that discussion. But can you still confuse a young quarterback without a defense? That's based on disguise and confusion. Um, I mean, the, the biggest standpoint there would be in order to confuse him. It's not so much confusing him, but it would be to make him feel pressure. You know, okay. to to try to make him feel that fire a little bit, and that's where the pass rush comes in. But but even with that, you know, and let's say Von Miller gets a couple sacks or Chubb gets a couple sacks, you know, at least from the history standpoint of it, is that Minshew has showed the ability not to get flustered at all, right? Like if he gets hit, um, if he gets sacked. He doesn't. He doesn't let that affect him. You know, it's play next play. So, I mean, unless you know they kind of throw up the defensive playbook and kind of bring something new to the table, um, I feel like Minshew's going to be pretty confident. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you this too about Minshew. We've tried to hit every kind of angle with him. Uh, the Minshew mania stuff is really fun. He's played good football. I still don't necessarily know if he's played great football. You know, I mean, there's there's Lamar Jackson played great football in the first couple of weeks of the year. I think he's played really good football, exceeded anybody's expectations because there were none. The whole phenomenon is is awesome and fun, and it's great, and it's the unbelievable dynamic of the Jalen Ramsey story and the Minshew mania going on here in Jacksonville, which is two totally different stories, but two big headlining stories, which I also think is fun, especially if you do what we do. But I think my biggest compliment to Minshew, and, and maybe there's something else that you see, is the fact, yes, he's put the ball on the ground a couple times with the fumbles. The one was totally not his fault. I mean, he couldn't have done anything when Merciless got into him so quickly, and it was a, a bad fumble. I mean, it was a big play in that football game. But what I have not seen is him really put the ball in danger 
of being picked off. Now, knock on wood, everybody right now, but that's pretty impressive for a young QB. I mean, I don't even recall a play, Austin. Not even really in the preseason, uh, not in these first three games. I'm probably missing something, but has there even almost been a ball picked off? Against Gardner Minshew? Well, and, and that's the biggest thing, right? When we're talking about these new quarterbacks or these younger quarterbacks, like you mentioned, Lamar Jackson has been, you know, playing brilliantly for the first couple games, ran into a little tough contest with Kansas City. And if you watch that game, I mean, he threw a couple Hail Marys up, basically. And uh, thanks to, you know, his receivers, like with. Willie Sneed um, kind of bailed him out a little bit, and uh, to be fair, Jackson also had the, uh, you know, the player in Marquise Brown just doing those fly routes the whole time. So any any quarterback could have hit those routes for those touchdowns. Not to take anything away from Lamar Jackson, but I think with Gardner Minshew, yeah, he hasn't had you know that play where it's like, yeah, he, he he's had the overthrows, right? He's missed a couple of his guys, but he hasn't had that play like with Blake Bortles where it's like. Oh man, you can't throw that ball. Like, oh, that was a close one. Thank God the guy dropped it on defense. You know, like, we haven't seen that from Gardner Minshew yet. And, um, that's very telling, especially from a, from a young guy. Now, he, yeah, he has been put in those press situations where he has to go out and win a game, right? Like in Houston, he had to drive the ball down, put in the end zone. And even in, even there, he, uh, he made good decisions. He kind of relied more on his feet, um, as opposed to, you know, using his arm because he had a lot of rushing yards that, that last drive. So I'm curious to see going forward now where, and listen, this is a team, Brent, where the run game has been nada, to say the least, right? Yeah. And they've had to rely on the pass a lot. Well, let's see what happens if it, if it's a close game. Let's see what happens maybe if the Jaguars are down by a little bit and you have to rely on Gardner Minshew to throw the ball because your run game's not working. Now, in a perfect world, you, you could run the ball, set up the play action, and everything's gravy. But what we've seen so far is you have to rely on Gardner Minshew's arm, and I just hope that it doesn't come down to, you know, maybe maybe a, 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 like a misread here, a misread there can, you know, result in disaster. Yeah, and I think we've, again, he has not been perfect. I mean, whether it's receivers or him, uh, receivers, D.D. Westbrook drop a ball. Uh, the Marquise Lee play is still interesting. Who was at fault? I still think he needed an extra beat uh, on that route to be mm-hmm. able to get free, and it would have been a touchdown. We've seen some overthrows, uh, you know, missed uh, Leonard Fournette in Houston out of the backfield, missed uh, D.J. Chark. So I can list off a few of those plays, but those balls weren't even almost picked off. I mean, so everything has been pretty clean, and you brought up a name, and you brought up Blake Borg. And the interesting dynamic there is just how much he turned the football over. Mm -hmm. And that was the narrative for five years here in Jacksonville is turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. He just doesn't take care of the football. Uh, If you go look at stats over the last five years, him and Jameis Winston are right up there, I think, amongst the worst in the NFL at turning the football over. Well, now you get to a guy that just comes in and has to be put into the fire, and Minshew takes care of the football. And it's a bit of his M.O. throughout his career from an interception standpoint. Last year, I think his numbers were 38 touchdowns, 9 picks at Washington State. I was even reading some things uh, back in high school about him where he didn't turn the football over a lot. So I think it's kind of who he is. He makes good decisions, puts the ball in the right place. And I'm not saying he's not going to throw an interception. But I think it is so, it needs to be pointed out that he really hasn't even come close to one because of what we've kind of been through and lived through over the last five years, that side of the narrative. I think it's been so impressive. And I think, Austin, to a degree, that's why it feels like 
maybe if you actually look at how he's played, his numbers, his statistics, six touchdowns, and inter- uh, a fumble lost. Um, he does have the one interception. I'm sorry, because of the one that went off the four net hands. Uh, yeah, uh, but see, yeah. you can't really even count that. As no, his, no, his and fault. I don't. Like in the, in the yeah. stat column, it's going to come up like that, but that, that wasn't his fault. Yeah, yes. I just missed it. Yeah. So, so much out of my mind that I forgot to mention it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But he's only thrown for 200 yards a game, really, a two-something. Sure. So I just, my point is, I'm not really sure he's playing unbelievable football. I think he's just playing good, solid football without the turnovers, and he's exceeded our expectations, and, well, now we have a movement because of it. Yeah, you know, and, and in terms of him playing unbelievable, I think it's just the way that he goes about his business, right? Like, he shows these glimpses of whether it was the, touchdown to DJ Chark, even like the drop ball to D.D. Westbrook that he put in against Tennessee. Like, yeah, D.D. dropped the touchdown, and, you know, that was a bummer. But at the same time, like, I was kind of in awe of, wow, that was a perfect pass, you know? And, like, he shows those glimpses because of a guy coming out of college where it was all about the arm strength. He's not big enough. You know, he doesn't have the arm. Well, you know, if we're talking about a 30-yard, 40-yard goal route, uh, he drops it right on a dime. I mean, mm-hmm. one would argue that he does have the arm. Now, is it the guy you want throwing your Hail Mary from your own 10-yard line? I don't know. How many plays do you get an opportunity to do that? Who cares? You know, I'm just saying from what we've seen, it's just the accuracy, right? And especially being a Jaguars fan, if you are, where you're used to watching Blake Bortles. You're used to watching Blaine Gabbert, where it was more on the receivers. So, man, that receiver made a really good play. Man, Allen Robinson had to go up and get that ball, but he came down with it. Like, that was the narrative, I feel like, for a while in Jacksonville. Well, now it's, wow, what a pass by Gardner Minshew. That was right on the money wow he he dropped that ball in on a dime like that that script's changing now and that's with Gardner Minshew so I get what you're saying where yeah he may not have the stats you know of, a, of like a Kyle Allen who comes out and throws four touchdowns but at the same time the way Gardner uh, the, the way Gardner Minshew is going about his business and you know throwing those beautiful balls every once in a while um you know, if you're a fan, you've got to sit back and be in awe of it. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, and don't even uh, – I'm not trying to knock him for the lack of stats or anything oh, yeah, like that. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I just think the reality is – but look at our perception of the whole deal. Like the 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 – the circus that follows, the movement that's happened, the Minshew mania, the way it feels like he's played is that he's throwing 400 yards and four touchdowns a game. I mean, doesn't yeah. it feel that way, like they're scoring 35 a game? Sure. Well, they're really not. I mean, they're 22nd in the NFL, I think it is, in scoring, at, right at 20 points a game. So they're not doing anything crazy, uh, but... The fact that he's not turning the football over and giving them a chance, and again, I think it's important to mention, there was no expectation, very low expectation, once Foles went down, and he has far exceeded that. And that's a hat tip, uh, a mustache moment, uh, a bandana, whatever, uh, I don't know. Uh, but you got to give him a lot of credit for what he's been able to do, and now can he keep it going? Can he go to Denver? Can he win you a couple games? And I, I did say that. They're still one and two. Despite a lot of good play yeah. and a lot of fun with this, they are still one and two. And where does he get it to for the Jacksonville Jaguars when it is time to hand off or it's time to have the discussion when Nick Foles comes back in early November? By the way, Brian at Big Cat Country, uh, and maybe this was a message to me, but uh, either that or he wanted me to uh, pump up the article in BigCatCountry.com. It says, Minshew Mania, just enjoy the ride. Hey, man, I am. I think yeah. we all are. I think that's one thing. I'm not trying to get ahead of it. 
and take it in November, although people brought it up yesterday, so we talked about it a minute. I'm not hammering them for 20 points a game or whatever it is. I I think that's what Jacksonville's done a good job right now of enjoying this. This is a lot of fun uh, about the quarterback position. And enjoy the ride, and hopefully the ride lasts for quite some time. Hey, it's 5.30 from Streamsong Resort on a Wednesday midweek, and it's happy hour horn time on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Shot tip your star tenders. Hey, uh, Vita Lee recently got a 94 rating, and uh, I almost shot a 94 today here at Stream Song Resort. <laughs> uh, locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville uh, wants to help our friends in the Bahamas, by the way. Go to VitaDeLuis.com, and 50% of all the merchandise will go to the funds to raise money for the folks in the Bahamas. Two of them, in fact, Treasure Key Relief Fund and Hopetown Rising. Once again, VitaDeLuis.com, 50% of all merchandise will go to those funds. Vita Louis made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach, and one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. VitaDeLouis.com, once again, for more information and to help our friends out in the Bahamas. We still have Ball and Fallen. We have Stay in Your Lane. And back to the Ramsey-Coughlin power struggle, if there is one, next on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Live from the Action Sports Shacks studios and here at Stream Song Resort in Central Florida. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. What stands out about him is how well he's done since he's came in there. I mean, he came in there, I believe, on the 12th play of their opener. He's been in there since, and he's really done a good job of operating this offense. Um, very quick decision maker, sees the field well. Um, you know, just another guy, you know, quarterback being the most important position there is, and you know, but it seems to be the hardest position to evaluate. You know, this guy going in the sixth round, he, he should have went much higher than that. Yeah, he probably should have gone much higher than that. Brent Ortno here at Streamsong Resort uh, on the road one more day. Uh, we'll back in studio tomorrow and then uh, at the game of the week on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 on Friday at Mandarin High School between Nice and the Mustangs. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jacks studios. Quick thought, that was Vic Fangio right there, Denver Broncos head coach, talking about Gardner Minshew. And I love that part of it from a scouting perspective, Austin. Uh, this... I, again, I don't know where this goes for Gardner Minshew. I, I still uh, have a sense of reality of being a six-round pick, an undersized quarterback, and not the strongest arm in the world. But I think guys that can play can play. 
And, you know, I, I've thought that for a long time. A, a guy like Bishop Kenny's Johnny Wolford, who went to Wake Forest and, and now is still getting a shot in the NFL, made the practice squad out in L.A. He has a lot of those same traits where he's undersized, uh, not the strongest arm in the world, but he gets the job done. He wins, he makes plays, and he has success. And, you know, scouts to me want to check the boxes. And this is another example of, well, he didn't check the box, so we're not going to take him because my job's on the line. That's how I get graded. And I don't want to take a risk on a guy that doesn't check the boxes, especially at the quarterback position. That doesn't always add up that way, and I can give you a million examples, and you can too. And Austin, yeah. you might be one of those examples coming out of high school, mm-hmm. uh, you know, from a college perspective where you didn't have a ton of offers and there you go you make it to the nfl (laughs) yeah so it works on both the collegiate level and the nfl level but i just think there's a chance now and that will be the cool part of the story if gardner Minshew is one of those one of those that slipped through the cracks really should not have dipped all the way down to the sixth round and here we are yeah you know and when we talk about slip through the cracks and we talk about how an nfl team evaluates the college talent um, listen, I, I don't have the right answer. I mean, I, th- I think it's right to say that some of the system is flawed, right? Because, sure, you can measure a, a guy's 40-yard dash. You can measure a guy's shuttle run and all this good stuff, his bench press, uh, his broad jump, his vertical jump. And you, you can kind of point to those numbers and say, look, look, this correlates to that. This correlates to this, yada, yada, yada. And I get that. I mean, that's that's one of the only measurements you have. And then you also have the the meeting processes was sometimes that can be a lot of bs too right like you have these scouts who think they're psychiatrists who ask you all these crazy questions that don't pertain to football maybe just so they can brag about it to their other scout buddies um at the bar later that night well, you, you we've seen that time Dobbs. and time again you brought up with Dobbs yesterday right I yeah mean, how many people asked him if he loves football just because he's smart and, yeah and, and, and majored in aerospace engineering yeah exactly so you know you have to go through that whole process as well but what those like what that interview can you know tell or like evaluate for player or what a forty yard dash can't tell what a broad jump jump can't tell is a guy's heart and his ability to win and how that can be used in the NFL. Like you can have this supreme talent, he can have all these blow off the door numbers, but you don't know how that's gonna correlate to the NFL. You don't know where his mindset's at. And you can ask all the crazy questions you want, but at the end of the day, you just don't know how a guy's going to respond to playing in the NFL because everyone's different. And there, there really is no test to determine that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's more of just sure ain't the what you – Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I honestly think it's just more of what you see on film and what you go by asking his college coach. You know, So from that perspective, yes, Gardner Minshew did fall through the cracks a little bit because maybe he was a little on the shorter side. Maybe he didn't have the arm strength, but I'll tell you what, and something that goes unsaid is that he he went over that locker room in Washington State uh, that was coming from a very somber tone. And while maybe his height may not get him, you know, the first round status, I think the fact that he came into Washington State um, as basically a stranger and left as a folk hero that has to get counted as a positive to him. And, and you know, you don't really hear those things in, uh, when you're scouting for the NFL, but I think you have to take those things into account as well.
Moxie, savvy, the yeah. ability to slow the game down in high tense uh, situations. You can't measure it, and right now he's been really good at that. And uh, unique situations, adaptable, all those things. I mean, it's it's a trait of his career in college, especially, and so far he's handled it really well. All right, earlier in the show, man, we talked about Ramsey and Coughlin, and who has the power, the immediate power right now, not necessarily long term. We've got a bunch of responses on this. Stevie Sachs jumps in. He says Ramsey Coughlin can be replaced. Ramsey would be hard to. With that said, he believes. Coughlin is going to be out after this year. What would be interesting in that dynamic, if Coughlin is out after this year, uh, if, if that were to be the case, would it be on his own, or would it be Shad Khan forcing him out? Well, because I think at 73 years old, you could kind of, uh, regardless of the Ramsey situation, he might have said, hey, this is it for me anyway. You know, that's well, not far-fetched. Yeah, but there, there's no way that we're going to ever know that, Brent, because at the end of the day, um, if, if it is Coughlin's time to step aside, uh, I think Shad Khan's the type of guy who isn't going to come out publicly and be like, yeah, we're, we're going to let him go. You know, I think they're going to let Coughlin do it on his own merit and they're going to have, you know, Coughlin say, uh, I'm choosing to step down. I wanted to pursue something else or whatever it is. But I don't think you're ever going to see in the headlines where Jacksonville Jaguars fire Tom Coughlin. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, yeah. I think you're right. It could be a matter of semantics there, but uh, you're probably right in terms of the perception of it. Uh, at Vin Jayville says, Coughlin for sure. Ramsey can sit out, but then he doesn't get paid. Scott Adams says, I would think Coughlin, basically two years left on a contract plus ability to tag. Chuck Jr., Coughlin and Jags, two years left on current deal, two years franchise tag if they want. Ramsey has no leverage except to not play. Then Jags don't have to pay him, so win, win, Jags. Now, here's a thought on that, man. Uh, you know, I think while the letter of the law, uh, they might be right about some of the contractual things, that's not how this plays out. Like, there's so many people, and I brought this up way back on Tuesday, I think, last week. Sure. And I said, remember when I said, if I was involved in this, there would be part of it where you can get a little vindictive, and you're like, I'm going to win this battle. Uh, that son of a gun, you know? Yeah. And, you, and what I said, you send them to Antarctica for a pair of mittens, because... Yeah. One, it's Antarctica, and two, he'd be very um, uh, humbled by the fact that he, the Jags only got a pair of mittens for him. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So, uh, but you, it's just not how it works. And to the same degree, you've got to take the emotion out of it. You can't be mad at the player. It's a business side of things. But you don't sit him down for two years just because you can. You know, you don't. You use a player that's that good. So you either you either keep him here and you play him. And you pay him or you you let him go somewhere else because there is something to having a uh, toxic employee or a, an employee that's unhappy uh, in a situation. Because sooner or later, that does infiltrate the rest of the building. The Jags don't want that. So, so a lot of the responses that say they've got the control, they, well, have, they can do – yeah, they do. They do have the power of the contract, the franchise tag, the fifth-year option. I get it. But they also don't want an unhappy football player, an unhappy guy in that locker room, in that building all the time. Look, and we talk in terms of who has more power, Tom Coughlin or Jalen Ramsey. Well, we can look at it from a football sense or we can look uh, at it from just a society standpoint in general. And usually the person that has more of the following, regardless of uh, job status, is going to have the power. And from the following, from the support is concerned, we've heard people come out and support Jalen Ramsey, whether it was Doug Marone, whether it was his teammates in that press conference, uh, whether it was Todd Wash. You know, like they want Jalen Ramsey in that building. I have not heard anybody yet 
from any facet, whether it's the front office, the players, the coaches, uh, the owner, even the owner, I have heard nobody yet comment on, uh, you know, Tom Coughlin's standpoint and had his back. So with that being said, I go with the man that has more of the following, the man that has more of the support, and right now that is Jalen Ramsey. All right. Hey, a couple other comments, all right? If Ramsey wants to go, let him go, says Ryan Cannon on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to check us out there, you certainly can. Uh, the Jags have so many issues to fix on both sides of the field. I'm not sure I agree with that, Ryan. So many issues? Uh, we'll see. We'll talk about that more later. Uh, John says, I think everyone is missing the issue on the Jalen saga. The issue is when a player like Jalen immediately reacts to the sideline, says it's incomplete, the coach should have thrown the red flag. 31 other coaches would have thrown the flag, supported their star player. Did you write this, Austin? Brady says throw the flag. Flag is thrown. Yep, you get the idea. Whether it was a rip ball, uh, drop ball or not, it doesn't matter. Marone should have thrown the flag. Throwing the flag speaks a thousand words. Yeah. Not throwing the flag speaks a thousand words. Based on Marone's action, shows he doesn't support his players. I think you wrote that. I really do. Yeah, do that's, you, are you that is my name, John? That is my burner account. No, but um, <laughs> and, well, and to be fair, Brett, you know, like. I know that's like the the powder keg that started this whole thing in motion, right? Like we go back to the the scene on the sidelines, and ones to say where if Marone would have threw that challenge flag, would we be at this point right now? In my opinion, I think it would have been something else then, right? Like I think if Jalen Ramsey's this fed up with Tom Coughlin in the front office, it would have been something else that you know that would have triggered Jalen Ramsey to do what he's doing now. Whether it was at practice during a game, but I feel like this was coming. This is bound to happen eventually. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. I don't disagree. It wouldn't be happening right now though. That thing set it off. No doubt set it in motion. Would it happen down the road? Uh, you're, You're probably right at something. But I, I think this one, that did set it in motion, um, and I still think you wrote that on Facebook. Sure. Uh, Brent Martineau at Streamsong Resort, Austin Lane, back in the Action Sports Shack studios. Hey, let's do a little balling and falling, stay in your lane in like about a 10-minute span. We got it? Uh, we, yeah, we can do that. Absolutely. After, All right. after the break, right? Yeah, I guess we're going to go to break okay. first. Let's go to break <laughs> okay, first, good. and then when we come back, we'll do balling and falling, stay in your lane. And I want to talk about how in the world – do the Tampa Bay Rays, in the middle of a playoff race, at the end of the season, only draw like 9,000 people? And they're playing the Red Sox. Move to Canada. I'll give you an analogy that hits close to home that might put it into more sense, maybe. It's next on ESPN 690. I am Chris Berman, and every time I come back, back, back to Jacksonville, I listen and watch Action Sports Jackson. Hey there, welcome back from Streamsong Resort to Jacksonville, Florida. Brent Martineau here in Central Florida. Austin Lane, back at the Action Sports Jack Studios. Uh, we'll be together again tomorrow. Thanks to Scott for hanging out with us the last couple of days and all week long as Coos is uh, in Texas. Uh, I believe it's Texas at a convention. Who knows what's going on there, Austin? <laughs> he is an international man of mystery. <laughs> I mean, really, yeah. who knows yeah. what is going on there. All right, let's get to it real quick. Ballin' and fallin'. What you got for ballin'? Uh, ballin'. So, you remember the fan that caught Albert Pujols' 2000th uh, RBI? It was a home run ball? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he decided that he's going to donate that ball to the MLB Hall of Fame. He turned down various offers of anywhere from $50,000 to $75,000 for that ball. He decided that it belonged in the MLB Hall of Fame, so good on him for doing that. 
Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, yeah. I got balling. How about the Washington Nationals? What a season. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this on a bunch of different levels, that they get rid of Bryce Harper and they go on this run. And they had a miserable first couple months of the season, but an incredible run to make the postseason. They clinch it earlier, or early, and they're in as one of the wild cards. But not only that, man, they clinched a wild card and beat the Phillies and Bryce Harper. Yeah. I mean, that has to feel good if you're a Nationals fan, uh, if you're in that organization. He chose them over you essentially. Uh, he didn't really want to be in Washington at the end of the day. Yeah, they threw a ton of money at him in Philly, but uh, Bryce Harper's had an okay year, but Philly didn't go where they wanted to go, and the Nationals went without Bryce Harper, so yep. uh, I say ball into the Nationals. I like it. Uh, Fallen, more on the baseball front, Oakland A's reliever Lou Trevino uh, will miss the rest of the regular season and possibly the postseason after fracturing his ribs. Here's the thing, though. Uh, he did it slipping in the shower. Oh, so another one th- of those. Oh, hand. So two things there, Brent. Either he's lying, and the truth is even more <laughs> insane uh, of how he crapped his, you know, his ribs and slipping in the shower, or he's telling the truth, in which case, come up with a better excuse, man, because nothing screams professional athlete like cracking your ribs from slipping in the shower. Absolutely. That's been an excuse that's used in the past, too. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've ever, knock on wood again, slipped in the shower, though. Yeah. And hurt my head. I, mean, I mean, no. <laughs> maybe I when know, I was though, like, like three or gym, four. You know, I don't... Like on the gym floors, like, or if uh, maybe back in high school or college, you know, in the, you, you, the, the bunch of showers in a row. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking more so that. I wonder if he was showering in something like that, but I'm thinking a big league ball player's probably got his own shower. <laughs> Yeah, man. So. Like, yeah, and I don't know. Also, some flip flops or some Crocs too to wow, get a little more true. traction. Yeah, I don't know, man. Good point. All it's right, crazy. hey, baseball crazy right now because I'm doing my falling too, and I, this goes back a couple of days. I get it, but I, I didn't get it in yesterday. Okay. And I'm with Dicky V on this one. He's a big Rays fan. You know, Ty's a Rays fan, so I got to get Ty and Dicky V together. There we go. Uh, That's quite the combination. The that would be. I mean, I think they'd enjoy each other's company. Yeah. Uh, at least talking about the Rays. But how in the world do the Rays just get 9,000, 8,700 people Monday night? They are in the, they are tied for the last wild card spot on that night. And they can't get anybody to the ballpark. I mean, come on, Tampa. You, you can't even use the excuse of not a winning team. They've won a ton of games over the last two years. They're right in the middle. This is the greatest time to watch baseball. It's playoff-style baseball, even at the end of the regular season. And nobody shows up for the Rays. You really feel bad for those players in the organization, I think. Uh, it, forget about the Canada stuff and everything else, and maybe even what the Rays organization has done wrong. I feel for the players that you get in this position, and you want home field advantage, and you can't even get anybody out to your game. And to boot, they have the Red Sox in town, which usually the Red Sox draw. Now, the Red Sox are eliminated, but they at least usually draw. To me, this would be like the Jags hosting... Uh, who did I bring up? The Jags hosting like the New York Giants, right? Yeah. In the last game of the year, and they're ten and five. And if they get to eleven and five, they go to the playoffs. But ten and five, and a quarter of your stadium shows up. So basically, for the Jags, that would be I think around seventeen or eighteen thousand people show up for the game when you're ten and five. And if you win, you're going into the postseason. And not only that, you're playing a big market team like the Giants or the Steelers. And that's all that showed up. That's crazy. Yeah, it's insane. Like, how do you sell that to free agents? You know, that they want to come play for the Rays. Like, all right, imagine, picture yourself playing in front of in front of 
hundreds of hundreds of fans for the playoffs. Like you just you can't sell that. It's just it's not a good situation for the Rays whatsoever. All right, man. Uh, can you hang on to stay in your lane till tomorrow? Uh, I'll try, Brent. Lord knows I'll try, man. We got a little bit of time yet. Oh, okay. No, it's all good, man, because it's, it, it's kind of long. There's some audio involved. I will hang on for tomorrow. All right. It's not time sensitive. No, it's, uh, no, these aren't. These are crazy stories that are not time sensitive. Okay, yep. very good. Spoiler alert for tomorrow. Okay, I like it. Uh, we'll tease. be back in studio tomorrow, and um, hope everybody has a good night. Thanks again to Streamsong Resort. Uh, check them out on streamsongresort.com. It's been a fun couple of days. Love doing the shows on the road. Love doing it out here. Obviously, got to play a little golf. I'm not mad at that. Um, but uh, Jacksonville, if you're looking for a golf destination, this is a cool place to go. And apparently I learned this week some of the best bass fishing you will find. So if you like the fish, it's not just about golf out here at Streamsong. All right, Austin Lane, nice work, man. We'll see where this Jalen Ramsey story goes, and uh, we'll keep everybody up to date on the TV side as well, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Good work, Scott, for Stuart Weber. Austin Lane, I'm Brent Martin. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us on ESPN 690. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.